Hey guys, welcome to Unwatchable. This is Chloe, obviously. I don't know who else would have broken into my apartment and uh, taken control of this podcast. I just have a little bit of housekeeping to do before we jump into our New Year's special, which I am so excited about. This was a big podcast, you guys. This was a really long podcast. My guest and I talked for like two and a half hours all about Pixar. We were both really passionate and excited about it. We talked a lot. I'm usually in a recording session for about an hour and a half. And uh, Jamie and I recorded for two and a half straight hours. I debated splitting it up into two parts. um, But I thought, why not just have one big, fun Pixar Jamboree and so that's what we're going to be doing today. It's going to be longer than usual but I think um, it would be nice to have something long to hold you over until the next episode because I'm actually going to be taking a break next week. I didn't take Christmas or New Year's Eve off and I'm actually going on a family vacation during the first week of January and I really don't want to have to worry about editing and uploading and doing social media promo while I'm out there with my family. So instead of taking the holidays off, um, I'm just going to take this next week on January 8th off, and I'll be right back with some new content for you on January 15th. I've got a lot of great stuff planned for the upcoming year. I'm really excited about it. And I also released a bonus episode this week on Monday. I uploaded my review of the movie Cats. It was quite the experience. So if you guys need even more content to hold you over until I come back on January 15th, you can always check out that episode. So let's dive into the Pixar episode today. I'm really excited. I have a guest named um, Jamie Andrews on today. He is really cool. He is actually not a film person. He has his bachelor's in theater from the University of Maryland, but we were still on the same page about Pixar as a company and had a really great discussion about it. He's doing some really fun things. He's an actor. He's in a boy band group called Guy Pie. You can find that on YouTube. You can check out his Twitch channel, which is Jamie Bing Bong. Uh, He does so many different things, and I think you guys are really going to like him. So let's dive in. Happy Big Sauce. I was like, <laughs> should I say Pixar? <laughs> and then Maybe I was I change it. And then as I was talking, I was like, this is where we're going. We're saying Pixar now. <laughs> there aren't many other words you can shift to halfway through Pixar. You know, I <laughs> you think get to we... Pix and you're like, oh shit, where else can I go with this? I think we actually should petition to change the ball drop to. Mm. Happy Big Sauce. Happy Big Sauce would be a pretty great that's thing how, for everybody to yell. <laughs> that's how I want to ring in the new year. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Happy Happy Big Sauce. Happy Big Sauce, you guys. Welcome all. back to Unwatchable. I am your host, Chloe Rodriguez, and welcome to our uh, New Year's Eve podcast, you guys. This is really exciting. Woo. 
Guys, I have a really great guest today. I have Mr. Jamie Andrews with me today. Hi. And he is a member of the Magic Quest Boys. I've talked about that before on this podcast. We actually had Jamie on a few weeks ago. And he, you had uh, me Jamie on a few on, weeks oh, ago? Oh, shit. I had Jared on. Oh, oh no. Shit. I must have been trash when that happened. <laughs> you guys have similar names. We okay. do. We def- no, no, we definitely do. People swap our names all the time. I had Jared on. Uh, he did my Unpopular Opinions podcast a few weeks ago. If you guys haven't listened to that one, you really should. One of my favorites that I've done on here. Um, and I have one of his D&D buddies, Jamie, on today. Yeah. 2020 marks the 25th anniversary of Pixar Animation releasing its first ever film, Toy Story. Oh my god! Yeah, which is amazing. And so I wanted to talk to you guys about Pixar today. I am a Pixar fanatic. (laughs) Like, I my whole life Pixar has been around. I mean, Toy Story. I was born April of 1995. Mm. And what day in April? April 1st. April 1st? Yeah. Okay. All right. My little brother's born April 1st, and uh-huh. I am born on April 3rd. My sister is April 16th. Wow. A lot of April birthdays in my family, so that's super cool that you're an April Fool. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I didn't even know that. Oh, yeah. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. Well. I'm a little <laughs> older, so my experience with Pixar, when Toy Story came out, I was seven years old, mm-hmm. which was like perfect. Like, toy, I saw Toy Story in theaters and was like, oh my god, toys! Oh, and it was the that's best. so cool. Yeah. That is like an ideal age to go see that movie in theaters. It was kind of amazing, yeah. Um, but you were probably, you might have even been younger and you probably saw it on video at home, maybe? Oh yeah, yeah. We, had, we had a VHS collection yes. of like a bunch of classic Disney movies. Do you want to maybe Disney explain Pixar. that to some of the younger folks? <laughs> what a VHS a might VHS be? A VHS <laughs> is, um, well, it's like a giant cassette and a cassette oh yeah there you go you guys (laughs) is is a miniature uh, vhs (laughs) yeah basically perfect i think they understand what's going on here i i loved vhs tapes and i didn't i didn't get rid of my vcr until i went to college Uh, you you can still find them in like um like goodwill and stuff like that and i kind of want one I, I feel like they wouldn't be that hard to track down because they're obsolete, but they're not so obsolete that like people don't have any of them anymore. I feel like DVDs came along and caught the VHS world mm-hmm. completely unaware. So they had all these v- VCRs and all these VHS tapes. Because I go into antique shops and stuff like yeah. that, and they're just there's so many VHS tapes, and I see VCRs as well, yeah. and I'm like, wow, I thought these were kind of hard. I thought they'd be hard to find, but apparently they're. <laughs> Friggin' everywhere. This is such a tangent. Yeah, I'm sorry. But oh no, no, no it's fine. <laughs> well, what I'm about to say is such oh, a okay, tangent. Oh, okay, great. Oh, cool. We're going even further. Let's do it. <laughs> I realized that the show The Simpsons mm-hmm. like completely lived through and then outlived the popularity of the DVD player. Oh yeah. Because when The Simpsons came out at the end of the '80s, like people still did VHS tapes. Mm-hmm. Then the DVD player ruled like the early 2000s, mm-hmm. and now. It's like, then it moved on to like Blu-ray and now it's basically streaming. And they, I don't think they release their DVDs, the Simpsons DVDs anymore. Oh, they definitely, there's not like a Simpsons Blu-ray collection, if that's yeah. what you mean. And, and yeah, the only way you can watch the Simpsons is now on Disney Plus streaming. Yeah. And so I... If you don't have it on DVD. A, yeah. I, I mean, this is completely unrelated to Pixar, but I, hey, another thing that's owned by Disney, Simpsons uh, collection. That's true. <laughs> that blew my mind when I found out that Simpsons, or that Disney owned the Simpsons. Yeah. And then that... 
the, Sim- the, the Simpsons world in Universal Studios, I was like, how does this make sense? How is Disney allowing this to happen? <laughs> like, why don't they just pull the rights immediately? But I guess there's probably some contract that says they can't. Yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah. Disney owns everything. Yes. They maybe secretly own parts of Universal Studios that we know nothing about. I mean, they at least own the Simpsons part. But, yeah. uh, but probably <laughs> other parts too, yeah, at this point. God. But I just, I just realized that and thought it was fascinating. Um, yeah, yeah. But back to Pixar. Yes. Um, so Pixar in general... I think since it came about and released that first movie in 1995, it's been looked at as kind of the standard, like the gold standard of animation. Mm -hmm. Specifically the gold standard of like family animation. Yes, definitely. They've earned that top slot for years now. And I think the reason that Pixar has earned that is because they really focus on their motto, which is story is king. And when you're looking through their list of movies, like the Toy Story mm. franchise, Monsters, Inc., Finding Nemo, uh, Coco is a mm. great recent example. Yeah. These movies are great because not only are they beautiful and you can see how they the technology progressed. I just, when you time. said beautiful, I had that, uh, a flash in my mind to, in Coco, the city. I just saw the <gasps> yes. city and I was like, oh my God. That's I was, what I was thinking of. Yeah, that's, oh, it's the most beautiful yes. scene. I mean, that movie has a lot of beautiful scenes, but that's the most beautiful scene. Yeah, like, when he oh. walks in, he's like first introduced to like the land of the dead. And oh. he's, oh, the, go back, just watch that like, just watch that movie and then just pause on that frame where yeah. you first get introduced I, to that I city. did that and I just look, looked at it for a while I was like, Wow, so pretty. God. And there's so much to see. Like, you have to pause it because you uh-huh. can't, like, take everything in just by watching. Like, you need to stop and take it all in. Definitely. Um, and that's just an example of how Pixar has really, like, they strive to create something that's an actual story and that is also looks beautiful but also has a beautiful message mm-hmm. to it. Mm-hmm. Um, Definitely. And that, to me, is really what sets Pixar apart from... All the other studios. Like I mean, Disney. <laughs> well, we'll get into all of that. No, the I can't whole, wait. Yeah. The whole connection between Disney and Pixar. And it's a wild ride. I have a lot of notes about that. And some things that you might not expect took place behind the scenes. Um, stuff that I didn't even know about until I started researching it. And then I was like, holy shit, Disney is batshit crazy. Oh, <laughs> yeah. No, that is one thing we can all absolutely agree on. Oh, my gosh. 100%. But if you look, if you look at other studios, like DreamWorks was basically made out of spite. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was. I don't know how Which much sucks, you know. Because like, I, I well, I heard like when I heard the story of how DreamWorks got made out of spite, mm-hmm. I was like, oh man, that's crazy. Because I love so many DreamWorks films, <laughs> and to think that they were all made by some bitter asshole is like, oh. Well, Kind of disappointing. I think that's kind of hilarious. Oh, definitely. <laughs> and DreamWorks does have like a lot of great animation to totally. it. But yeah. DreamWorks was made out of spite. Uh, Illumination Studios, mm. which is a recent contender, mm-hmm. is very open about the fact that they're, they... I can't believe that they just said this and people are okay with it. Oh, shit. But they've talked about it. Also, ab- can I say, oh, shit? Yes, oh, absolutely. Shit. We, cool. we swear like no one's business on Fuck this yeah. podcast. <laughs> That's right. I am recalling back to Jared's episode now and recalling all the curse words that were thrown around. <laughs> and even him asking, can I curse? So Everyone does, and I'm always like, Fuck yeah. <laughs> like, Fuck yeah, you can, bitch. So cool. Illumination Studios, which is, um, they're responsible for bringing the plague of the minions mm-hmm. onto this world. Mm-hmm. They did Secret Life of Pets. They did the recent uh, Grinch remake. And they're very open about the fact that they make movies for the lowest cost. Uh, they, 
I, I forget what their exact wording is, but they essentially said like low quality yields high quantity because they basically mm, choose things. They choose things that are not based on, uh, I guess, the quality of the story. What they look for is um, things that will just produce quick mass appeal yeah. And don't really focus on the quality of it, and it then shows. just and then just like shit it out really quickly, yep. and then the highest possible income they can possibly get. And they're actually they've pushed out Pixar on a lot of things recently. Actually, they pushed them out how uh, box office wise. Oh, really? Like beaten um, Pixar at the box office? As far as Whoa. like some of their movies making money, I don't think at the same time. I think when. I think when their movies release at the same time as Pixar, Pixar still wins. Mm-hmm. But when their individual movies come out, a lot of them surpass some of Pixar's wow. films. Yeah. I would never have guessed that. Yeah. And it's because they're, I mean, they have cute little mascots yeah. and they, they're like, eh, people will buy this and their kids Dr. will Seuss like it. Dr. Seuss is timeless. Whatever. Yeah. Look, look at their stuff. I mean, Secret Life of Pets. Yep. And yeah. And yeah. Those, and, I mean, I saw that trailer and I was like, yeah, kids are going to eat this shit up. Yeah. And they can merchandise that shit. Totally. Um, and those are kind of some of the biggest competitors that Pixar is facing, those animation studios. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm really interested to dive in to these individual films that Pixar offers yeah. and uh, have us kind of discuss why we love them, or maybe the weaker ones, why we don't like them as much. Yes, definitely. There is so much to discuss here. We could talk forever and ever and ever. Mm-hmm. I do not envy your position when it comes to editing this <laughs> I know that there's an actual Pixar theory, but my Pixar theory Ooh. is that... <laughs> Everyone's an alien. <laughs> well, Everyone. there's, there's three different types of Pixar films to me. Mm-hmm. There are... The middle ground Pixar films that still okay. stand above other animated works. Mm, definitely. Such as um, Monsters, Inc. Definitely. or Ratatouille. These movies are really, really great. But yet, there's another tier in, if you look at Pixar yeah. films as a whole. And those are the masterpieces. Yes, I would actually call them like works of longstanding art yeah <laughs> that will probably stand the test of time for a long long time and those are films um like wally yeah like up oh yeah um like toy story 3 in my opinion mm, interesting um, we'll talk <laughs> <laughs> those are the ones that no i liked it i liked it but we'll talk <laughs> oh yeah we'll get into it yeah yeah, yeah. The, there are certain pixar films that almost transcend the idea of family animated Content definitely, yeah. Um, and just take it above and beyond. Then there are those movies that are they're still good. They're still classic Pixar movies. And then you get to the bottom, and those yeah. are the movies that are just not Pixar movies. They were Basically. made. They were made by Pixar, but they're just they are not Pixar quality. Yeah, they don't live up to that bar, the standard. Exactly, and those are movies like Cars, um, <laughs> The Good Dinosaur. Uh, I bet a lot of people would fight you on cars, too. I, uh, really? I, I mean, I definitely wouldn't, and a lot of my friends wouldn't, but there is a huge audience for it out there somewhere. Like, I would, they made three of them. I mean, I would maybe I would maybe put the first Cars movie in the middle category. I would, I would but, maybe as well. But, it's not. I, I get that it's like not for me. Yeah. I'm not a huge Cars guy, <laughs> but like a lot of people out there are. And it, it, for them, it might even be middle or top tier. And sure. I, 
you know, that's their choice and their opinions. <laughs> but definitely the second and the third. Oh God, yeah, no. Bottom tier. I mean, I would. I didn't see either. Um, oh really? Uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't watch two or three. Just I because have it stuff to say so about awful. the third. What? <laughs> I have stuff to say about the third. Oh, the, I'm sure you do. Yeah. Cars two is the only Pixar film that I have not watched. Mm. I don't really think I'm missing out on anything. I would agree. <laughs> <laughs> um, like I am a huge proponent of what, like you. No matter what you've seen about a movie, you should watch it just to form an opinion. Yeah. It's just a matter of finding the time to watch a movie I think that lowly of. And I haven't yeah. had any... Like, usually for a movie like that that I'm like, ooh, really doesn't look good, I need someone to tell me, no, no, <laughs> it's worth watching. Check it out yeah. before I'll go, okay, and then sit down and give it a chance. But I have had nobody say that to me about Cars yeah. 2. <laughs> and I don't think they will. It seems like everyone thinks so lowly of it yeah. that every time I say it's the only yeah. Pixar movie I haven't seen everyone goes oh you're fine yeah and if, <laughs> and if that happens enough times it's like I, I'm willing to bend my rule of you should see everything and form an opinion on it to like yeah you know what I probably don't not for <laughs> you that can one just watch the trailer for this one yeah you pretty much got it all <laughs> so what would you consider to be like mm. your top of the line like gold standard Pixar yeah. movie. Um, definitely the two you listed already. Wally and Up, 100% hands mm-hmm. down. Um, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Check out my list. Yeah. I wrote them all down in order. Awesome. Um, I would consider Toy Story 1, 100% right there, up there at the mm-hmm. top as well. Um, also, I think, so, for whatever reason, I think that this movie... Is this movie kind of falls in between a middle and an upper standard for me? A mm-hmm. lot of people consider it top tier as well. For whatever reason, it just didn't hit home for me 100%. But Finding Nemo? Same. I, yeah. I kind of agree with you on that. Cool. I yeah. believe it's a little overrated. I do too, actually. Yeah. yeah. And I don't think there's, I mean, like, it hits, it, there's a lot of uh, emotional points that it hits really well. Um, but yeah, for me, it just didn't, doesn't quite reach that upper tier for me. Um, and then I think that Coco is up there as oh, yeah. well. Top tier. Um, and that I think is my list of top tiers. So let's start at the tippy top. Let's do it. Let's dive into the Toy Story franchise let's do for it. a moment. That is that is the like backbone on which Pixar built its like massive castle, basically. Oh yeah. A lot of it had to do with just the technology that they had. Mm, and they kind of started with the technology and then went from there. And it huh. seems like, at least from what I pieced together, the first draft of Toy Story was pretty bad mm. because they didn't have that much experience like actually making a film before. Interesting. That and, makes sense. And after they storyboarded it, apparently Woody was just like a huge dick. Which, like, <laughs> I remember reading that and being like, oh, that, I would kind of love to see that Which, version. like, he kind of is. In <laughs> he the, kind of I is. mean, he kind of is. They but, toned him down. Yeah, exactly. still there. But apparently he was so awful that they were like, this can never see the light of day. Like, we will be dead wow. in the ground before this movie even comes out. Wow. Yeah, and they could have ruined the whole thing. And just I, go around kicking babies and shit? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what happened, but I mean, I've seen some of the test footage and I was like, oh. <laughs> like, oh, wow, that is a woody. It's just very awful. <laughs> Yikes. Um, but it seems like they're, and, and I've heard that they've done this with subsequent films, is that their standard is kind of piecing together. Like, mm-hmm. instead of writing the whole script out and then mm-hmm. doing drafts of that, a lot of it is pieced together just through storyboarding. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of it is like, okay, well, now we need a, now we need a climactic scene. So now we have to go all the way back to page one because we're, we like have a great middle scene, 
but the beginning doesn't lead to the climax as well. And so they like kind of do it in chunks that, that way. They, their current process as well? Or was that just back at the first one? I'm sure by now they have it down a lot more because yeah. <laughs> since they have multiple... It's not just kind of like reverse engineering yeah. it. And, but yeah, at, from what I've heard at first, it was a lot of reverse engineering and kind of like figuring uh-huh. things out because they didn't really know how to put a full script together as one and then keep doing drafts off of that one script. And it's amazing that Toy Story was as good as it was with that. Oh, yeah. Like they were all just figuring it out, it sounds like, yeah. this movie thing. I, wow. Have you recently watched uh, the Toy Story franchise? Uh, you know, I actually did just see Toy Story 4, mm-hmm. um, which I hadn't seen uh, in theaters uh, when it came out. But uh, that's the last thats the last and only Toy Story that I hadn't seen. So mm-hmm. I've seen all of them. Uh, I haven't, it's been a while since I've seen 1, 2, and 3. You know, I, just, mm-hmm. I saw them when they came out and I was like, nice. <laughs> and then I moved on. <laughs> I recent, so I recently rewatched all of them. Oh, awesome. Um... The first Toy Story, I mean, there's not much to say about it it other than... Oh, it definitely holds up. Awesome. There's not much to say other than I feel like everyone knows that it's a great film. Mm -hmm. It really kicked off the animation studio as like a premier like movie making machine. Yeah. Um, And I've never met anyone who argues against the original Toy Story film. I never. Me, I never ever either. Or even Pixar as a whole. Just people. Mm-hmm. There's. I've never heard of people like, oh, Pixar's bullshit. Nobody <laughs> says that. <laughs> and what did you think of Toy Story 2? Toy Story 2 I really liked. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I thought it was... I. Yeah, I, I don't know. Actually, I don't think I've talked to other people about this. So I don't know how other people feel about Toy Story 2 if they mm-hmm. were like, oh, the sequel, not good. I mean, it's going to be impossible to, or very, very difficult for many movies to top the first one, mm-hmm. especially with something as iconic as Toy Story. Yeah. I thought Toy Story did a really good job of doing what many sequels to first films are supposed to do, which is expanding the world mm-hmm. and also introducing an awesome new character, which is what a lot of them usually do, mm-hmm. uh, to kind of play off of the main characters that are already there. And I thought Jesse was awesome. And I thought oh, yeah. that it was a great follow-up to the first one because the messages in two were similar but completely different from the messages from one. Yeah. And I was like, that in my mind, I was like, awesome. Like that's <laughs> if you can do that, um, and it's a good movie, like the story and the characters and everything mm-hmm. are compelling, yeah, you've you've done it again. It's funny because I feel like Toy Story Two, mm-hmm. if you look at the four movies in this franchise, mm-hmm. I feel like the second one is the most different yeah. out of all of them. Definitely, yeah. And I think that polarizes some people. I've met some people who think that the second one is the best out Whoa. of the entire... Yeah, I've actually met a lot of people. Whoa! Yeah, which I was so shocked I've never heard by. that. That's crazy. Yeah. But I guess it's not terribly surprising i mean yeah i thought that yeah. i thought it was really good so it's a good wow. it's a good movie i don't think it's, it's definitely complex like yeah. they really dive into the complexities of emotions in that movie and i love mm-hmm. doing that especially in a kid's film <laughs> like that's such a cool thing to do for for children to be like no no let's dig into rejection yeah <laughs> and it's like oh god oh my god my and, heart. and the prospector how he's like i've lived my whole life to get into this museum yeah. and like that's his goal that's one thing that's great about the toy story franchise especially building off of four the havoc like me coming off of four realizing now mm-hmm. is that all of their quote-unquote villains all the antagonists are never one-dimensional. They yeah. are always like like shades of gray. Like you can see <laughs> how any of these toys could have with a bad life history, you know, yeah. have ended up like these antagonist ones. They are essentially just like good toys that went bad. Mm-hmm. And it's like really cool that they like made them that complex. 
I, I love that. I think an interesting shift that you see in the franchise is that in the first movie, the antagonist is a child, and mm. it's Sid, who yeah. freaked me out oh my so God. hard when I was I think a kid. Sid, I mean, I, like I said, I was like seven years old when I saw this. <laughs> so I saw Sid, and I saw a little bit of myself, uh, which was scary. <laughs> uh, but also, yeah, he's a terrifying kid. Uh-huh. Um, more so what scared me, I think, when I saw it was all the, at first, all the terrifying creations that Sid oh, had yeah. come up with. That baby head with the yes, spider legs is, is still to this day one of the most haunting <laughs> creatures that has been put in an animated film, I think. Um, and then when it's like, oh, spoiler alert, when it's like, oh, they get good, uh, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, and I'm still like kind of not 100% on their side because they're terrifying looking, but like they're nice. And it's like, okay, they're cool. And then in the other films, the antagonist is always another toy. Yes. Which... I do, I wonder what the reasoning behind that was. I think it was a conscious choice. Yeah, I, I think, think so it too. was. I think it was because they. Did, it's probably very difficult to explore that relationship between person and toy, mm-hmm. um, and I think that they explore. I think they found that it was much more interesting to because they had so basically there there are several relationships that a person can have with their toy. Yeah. Sid was the like the evil kind of shadow side of that <laughs> world. Uh, Andy is obviously the held up as the good example of that world. Mm-hmm. And then I think all the other movies, rather than give you a single person to like showing you the person's relationship with the toy by the person actually being there. I think two through four explore the relationship between person and toy from the toy's perspective. And it's like they are completely at the whim of their person. Yeah. And like the things that they, the messages they explore, the rejection, um, not feeling like whether you're a toy (laughs) or not, um, having to leave your person. Yeah. um, They're all things that are explored with the person out of the picture. Mm -hmm. Because I think they found that it was, I guess they just found it was much more interesting to explore from the perspective of the toys like you can't really have a conversation between the human (laughs) and the toys the humans are like uh, almost the gods of the toy world and it's just way more interesting to watch the people have to deal with this uh you know this god who is by their standards like oblivious to what they're going through yeah completely um and it's so cool to explore that idea uh than to have and like the people come in and they play their part but then the yeah. toys are the toys just kind of have to go along with uh, what's happening to them. Mm-hmm. It's, it's interesting. When we transition into Toy Story three, which had the biggest gap between um, sequels, so would you do me a favor? Yes. Toy Story three, I feel like I don't remember as strongly. Oh. Would you just give me like a brief? <laughs> There's a dump truck outside of my. That's answer. yeah. That's a big old dump truck <laughs> laying dumps. Um, some so dumps. would you just give us some dumps, <laughs> as they say. Um, would you give me like a quick boom, 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 like very brief oh, Toy okay, Story yeah. 3 kind of rundown? So Toy Story 3, um, Toy Story 3 came out in 2010. That's right. Um, and this was supposed to serve as the finale of the franchise. That's right. That's it, how they were billing it. Mm-hmm, which yeah. essentially, uh, time has passed. Andy is going to college. Mm-hmm. Um, his mom wants to like... His mom's like, clean out your room and like everything that you want to throw away, like leave in the hall and everything you want to keep put in the attic. And he tries to, uh, he just gets lazy and he puts the toys at like the bottom of the attic. That's right. And she thinks it's garbage and she almost like throws them away. And then she like, they get donated to a daycare. And then he's supposed to take um, 
Woody with him to college, and then Woody chooses to stay behind. That's right. With the toys, so noble. And then so noble. there's that beautiful scene where they're like all about to be thrown into like a trash compactor, and they all like yep. hold, they all hands. hold hands. And oh my god, can I brief tangent real quick? Yes. I was in college when this movie came out, and there was a theater that would show like little fun sneak previews of movies and stuff sometimes. Um, and when that movie came out, mm-hmm. they were like. 11 minute sneak preview of Toy Story 3 and I was like 11 it was like the special thing they were doing I was like 11 minute sneak preview why would they do that uh-huh. and they showed the beginning of the movie and at exactly the 11 minute mark is that trash compactor scene mm-hmm. or I, I believe so or I, I might be slightly off with the numbers I might be at the end of the movie uh, is the trash compactor scene at the oh, end? Oh, yeah, yeah, it's at the end. Okay, so what they must have done... So I didn't go to this... <laughs> confession. <laughs> I didn't go to this because I was like, 11 minutes, you that's fucking weird. About this. <laughs> I guess so. I guess I did, yeah. Uh, memory's a funny thing. So they... The, I guess the 11 minutes or whatever they showed was the chunk of the middle and it left off at that trash compactor scene. They were about to be thrown in and then the movie would end. And it was like, all right, thanks for coming to our sneak preview. <laughs> come Go back fuck to yourselves. See <laughs> like, like, yeah, it was kind of like, come back and see it when it comes out next weekend. And, and from what I understand, people left the theater like hurt and incensed and betrayed. So I'm glad I did not go because I, it oh seemed God. weird. And sure enough, it was a trap. <laughs> it was a trap. There's actually a, a YouTube video. I don't mm-hmm. remember what it's called. Where someone re-edited the ending of Toy Story 3 so that it ends with them like about to fall into the trash compactor and then there's the credits roll so like oh, God. you think that that's <laughs> that they just all die at the end and then he showed it to his mom and was like we haven't watched Toy Story 3 yet and like didn't oh, tell her that she God. changed the ending amazing did she lose her <laughs> and, shit and then for like three days like he just filmed her being like I can't believe it like she was like in mourning <laughs> over these toys like three oh, that's days so later mean, and then like three so <laughs> like three days later shows her the actual end of the movie that's awesome and also so how, but here's the thing, how satisfying must that have been for the mom <laughs> to then see the ending and be like, oh, thank God, that's not how it ended. But it just shows like how connected people are to these characters. Yeah. My, here's my only gripe with Toy Story 3. Hit me. Because when I first watched it, I kind of thought it was overrated. Like mm, mm-hmm. this was when I was younger. It came out when I was a sophomore in high school, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so dates me a little bit. But. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just like, uh, it's like a good movie, but I honestly didn't think it was that great, as great as everyone was saying it was. People mm-hmm. were saying it was better than the first. I agree. Um, or I agreed. Maybe you changed your mind. It sounds like <laughs> well, that's what you're building to. So then I recently rewatched it like a few months ago, uh-huh. and it was better than I remembered. Mm-hmm. However, my gripe with it remains the same. Yes. And my gripe with it is the ending, Ooh. which everyone was saying was the best part of the movie. Ooh. However, I did not like the end. The end of Toy Story 3, if you guys don't remember, is that Andy chooses to give up all of his toys, including Woody, mm-hmm. and give them to this like four-year-old that- Bonnie. Like, yeah, Bonnie, who lives down the street from him. Yeah. And then- for like two hours, he just like <laughs> plays in the front yard with this four-year-old child. And that was where my gripe was with the movie. Really? Because, <laughs> wait, hear me out. Okay, I'm, I'm waiting. <laughs> because I was just like, okay, like if he donated the toys to her, like, great. Sounds like a satisfying ending. Get in the fucking car and go to college. There's probably some great parties going on. Go get laid. Like, lose your virginity first night of college. Sweet. But instead, he, like, chooses to stay and play in the yard with her 
for like two hours. Okay, we don't. First Hold of all, on. you're speculating on two hours. We don't know. It was a montage. Okay. Could have been twenty minutes. Well, the point is, like, first of all, no, like, I don't know if you've ever met an eighteen-year-old boy, but no matter how much nope. you like cherish and love these toys Mm -hmm. and i was like one of those kids who kept their barbies until they were like 12 like i was also invested in my toys Mm -hmm. but there's no fucking way that my first day of college i would waste all my time playing in the yard with like a preschooler who would probably be like dude this guy will not leave like i'm trying to have a fucking tea party with my stuffed animals there's an 18 year old man out on the lawn mom first of all if you've met an 18 year old boy (laughs) you will know that they are very far from being a man (laughs) um in fact when i was 18 that is i mean i still will play with toys every once in a while um and when i was 18 yeah definitely um so and and it's like if there's a preschool kid like and you're passing off your toys to them i think i i actually don't have a problem with that at all um because one i don't we don't know if it was two hours or 10 minutes (laughs) or 20 minutes how long he actually did it in my defense i don't have a problem with 18 year olds playing with toys it was okay. mostly the fact that I was like, okay, this movie First day is of college. that, and also I was just like, oh god, this movie just like wants to be as schmaltzy as possible. Like, Definitely, it would yes. have already, Toy Story. it would have been heartwarming <laughs> enough if he had just donated them to her, and then they like really tried to make it overkill. Oh, but it's one last goodbye. It's like one last oh. little play with, you know. <laughs> it's like he needed to send them off. It's literally like the, the passing. <laughs> Of the thing, because what you can't just give a toy. You have to like show them how to play with it. <laughs> I I didn't mind that part, but the my my gripe with okay. the end of Toy Story three, <laughs> and maybe you have more. <laughs> but uh, my gripe with Toy Story three is that for whatever reason I didn't feel uh, I didn't hate the villain enough. The big pink mm-hmm. bear guy. Yeah. <laughs> what was it? Do you remember his name? Uh, Lotso Huggin Bear. Lotso Huggin Bear. You. Good memory. Um, I didn't feel like I hated him enough so that when he got strapped to that car and yeah. like like for the rest, presumably the rest of his immortal toy life, um, I didn't, I felt really bad for him. Mm-hmm. I was like, Jesus, oh God, like this is awful. What's happening to this guy? Um, and I felt like he didn't deserve that fate. Uh, mm-hmm. And I was like, he was bad, but like. I don't know about that bad. He's not strapped to the front of a truck for all eternity bad. No, I felt all those, I felt bad for all those toys who were strapped to the front of the hood to just live life in like torturous agony for the rest of their, <laughs> like I said, immortal toy life. It's, it seemed brutal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was, that was my problem with the end of Toy Story 3. Also, I don't like, I mean, I don't like remember, I, I usually like remember the big escape scene or the big like yeah. action scene that happened in the end and I remember I don't remember that one so the <laughs> fact that it was kind of forgettable it kind of like loses points uh, for me for that one do you remember how they get out of the incinerator uh it's something to do I'm from what I'm okay I don't exactly remember but let me take a swing okay um they chain themselves together and and all use their their toy length from being chained together to grab something high up or far away no. No? It's Oh, that's usually how they escape most toy problems. It's the claw. <laughs> no way. Yes, I the forgot little, about the, the claw. The green aliens that's come right. back oh, and they save them with the claw. Oh, I can't believe I forgot about that. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, dang. Okay. Then you're like, "Never mind. I have no complaints." <laughs> yeah, never mind. Flawless movie, 10 out of 10. 100% fresh rating. And uh very quickly, what did yeah. you think of Toy Story 4? Toy Story 4, I thought didn't need to happen. 
Um, Ooh, interesting. In my opinion. Uh, okay, so Toy Story 4 does start to get into the message a little bit of like, like, look, so each Toy Story kind of deals with a very cool message. Uh, the mm-hmm. first one being, um, you know, like being rejected in favor of something else. Uh, the second one, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, kind of the same message. Because um, <laughs> unless I'm... Correct me, because you've seen it more recently. Mm-hmm. Toy Story 1 is, like, rejected in favor of another toy. Toy Story 2 is a, a being, a being abandoned specifically, actually. Mm-hmm. Toy Story 2 kind of puts a spin on the rejection uh, sp- yeah. uh, one. Toy Story 3, I guess they're all kind of spins on rejection, now that I think about it. And, a, and abandonment. And third, abandonment, the yeah. The third is, like, abandonment, but not callous abandonment. It's like a... It's like, like letting one's go. like, moving on and... and yeah, yeah, moving on, letting go. And then the fourth one is, like... Uh, the fourth one is like knowing where you're like feeling like you belong kind of and like like figuring out your purpose and what to do in your life which like think him you know Forky he's helping Forky realize what he is and and Forky thinks he's one thing and he's like no 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 man you're this thing let me show you (laughs) and then you know convincing him um, but also then, yeah. you know, of course, through the journey, he learns that he's not where he belongs. Oh. So he makes that decision. <laughs> so that that I thought was like kind of interesting. Um, and of the antagonists in the Toy Story franchise, I really liked the doll in four as the antagonist. Gabby Gabby. Gabby Gabby. I really liked Gabby Gabby because that was one of the ones who d- does do kind of a 180 at the end. And they do yeah. kind of like end up helping her, which is super cool. Yeah. Um, and... The only thing that I didn't like about, like, one of the main sour things, that it was just like a little piece, a little mm-hmm. little rock, a little pebble in my shoe that yes. I just couldn't get out while walking on Toy Story 4, was that the third should have been the last one. Yeah. So when they announced the fourth, and when I'm watching the fourth, I'm thinking, like, oh, this is, like, they're continuing when they said they were going to stop. Yeah. So automatically, in my mind, it's planted cash grab. Yeah, uh, and like, let's keep this Toy Story ball rolling, and let's make a cute little fork for merchandising. Exactly, because if you go on Disney Plus, there's about five Forky shorts that really? are out already. Of course, there are. They're Which, smart. They know what they're doing. I got nothing against Forky as a character. No, Forky's to be honest, a great character. But... It seemed like uh, Pixar, and you know, Pixar came to Tom Hanks and was like, well, "We want to do a fourth one." Will you join us? And he's like, look, I thought the third was going to be the last one. I was kind of hoping to be done with this franchise. (laughs) Can you at least kind of use this one to write Woody out? I'll do it if it's Woody's last. And they were like, you know what? Yeah, we can work with that. Is that that just your theory? That's my theory. uh That is is 100% my theory just because it seems a little forced, Woody's whole exit. It seems like they wrote the whole movie kind of based around, let's get Woody out of here. We got to get Tom Hanks. Because if you look at the cast, like Tom Hanks is the only like huge A-lister other than the antagonists, the the single movie antagonists who come in. Um, Tom Hanks is the only one who is like, I've kind of got to do other things. Like, uh, you know, like this franchise, I'm kind of beholden to it a little bit. I'm sure he signed some contracts beholdening him to three. And then they were like, please give us one more. And he was like, sure, but get me out after this one. Um, Because everybody else is like happy for the work. I have a a different theory. Yeah, hit me. Oh my God, I'm so curious. So I don't think anyone is disputing that Toy Story 4 is an unnecessary cash grab. Cool. It cool. has cash grab written all over it. I've never met a single person who's like, we, we gotta see what happens yeah. like after Toy Story 3 where Ooh, they said the saga it, like, continues. We, yeah. yeah, So totally. 
I don't like that the other side characters seem to really take a back seat in this. Oh yeah, film. I really didn't like that either. What is Mr. Potato Head doing? What is the yeah. what is Rex doing? What is it's, Slinky Dog doing? It's it's usually and I think they get less and less as the movies progress, which is yeah. sad. But it's usually like I kind of always thought of Toy Story as being very ensemble. Like yeah. all the the other side characters pay a big part, but and this like, one didn't feel like it. No, to me. not at all. Not so at all. That was my even Buzz like really took yeah. a backseat. What the fuck? And I was like, oh, I guess Tim Allen's just gonna sidle in, read about ten lines, and then go Honestly, home for like a fat paycheck. What else does Tim Allen have going on? Though? That's a very good he point. Tim Allen loved like, this movie. He was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> dude. When it's funny though, because when you look back, when Toy Story started, Tim Allen was like, like peak of his career oh yeah and then because he was uh doing home improvement and then yeah. now it's like who the fuck is this Tim? right oh. i wonder if that's been a conscious choice or not mm-hmm. i don't know but so it's it's not much of an ensemble piece anymore mm-hmm. that's what i don't like yeah what i do think that they do incredibly well is expanding the world Mm-hmm. The concept of lost toys, because yes, it, I mean, I like that. that's not like something that that's not something that comes out of left field, really. Because I mean, that's they've touched on that before. Mm-hmm. They they touched on that in the first movie where yeah. he gets stuck at the gas station and he's like, oh, "I'm lost. I'm a lost toy now." And it's like oh, rumored that yeah. that's like the worst thing that can happen to you. Like it's not out. Woody of, like, definitely believes that. Yeah. yeah, and so that I thought was very interesting to explore. Kind of his biggest fear. Yeah, um, that's true. The villain is great. That Ugh. that moment Gabby where Gabby. all she wants is her voice box, and at the end, you kind of want her to get Woody's voice oh, box. Oh yeah, because and, oh sorry, go oh, ahead. No, 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 keep going, keep going. It's I was fine. gonna say, but here's the thing that irked me. What? Um, Woody loses his voice box, and he's like, he's been putting up such a fight, putting up such a fight, and then he loses his voice box, and it's like, oh, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> like he doesn't. He doesn't. It's not a big deal to him at all. And whether he doesn't, uh, if if it had been because like, oh, I see now that it was for a good cause. Um, yeah. But we only get if if we are to believe that we're only given looks that Woody might give Gabby Gabby to believe that. If he had had some line that's like where where maybe Bo Peep or something is like, but Woody, don't you want your voice box back? Like that means so much, it's a part of who you are. Yeah. And he's like. You know what? I'm beginning to understand that, like, like obviously in Woody words, he would say this, but like basically summing up, saying like, you know what? I'm beginning to understand that, like, sometimes uh, you gotta learn to let things go, and and I've been holding on a little too tightly to my beliefs of like what is right and what is wrong <laughs> yeah. and lost toys and this and like there should have been some acknowledgement of that, but there was none at all. So I was like, oh, he just he's totally cold losing his voice box, I guess, yeah. after putting up all that fight. Oh well, <laughs> I. I did love the part, however, when, like, she's been fighting to, like, get this voice box. Mm -hmm. And, like, as the movie goes on, you have more and more sympathy for her and you see her less as a villain. And then that moment where, like, she finally, like, she can finally talk. She finally gets her voice box. She's like, this is it. I'm going to get played with. Like, everything in my life is going to completely change. And then that that girl that she's been, like, wanting to play with her for her whole life picks her up. And like hears that she can talk and is still like, meh. Yeah, and puts I, that her back moment on I saw it coming because I, I was like, oh, because I know Pixar writes smart enough yeah. to really fuck with the audience and and like really twist the knife when it comes to toys pain and stuff like that. Yeah. So I was like, they're not this is they're not gonna let her have this. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, this is gonna go in a different direction, and then they're gonna have to deal with that. And I love that they yeah. did that, oh, but also so it hurt. <laughs> it did hurt my little heart. That was so good. Yeah, that was very good. And, I like that moment a lot. And I actually. This, I think, is an unpopular thing. I actually liked the ending. 
I liked that oh, Woody... Oh, Woody going off? Yeah, I liked Woody staying with Bo Peep. I think it was a very interesting choice. Uh, I think I liked it too. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem that I had with it, they just made it kind of gross, was like I knew that it was like a forced kind of, they got to get Tom Hanks out. Like I couldn't get that out of the back of my mind I, a little bit. My theory is, yeah. is not that it was Tom Hanks. My theory okay. is that they are making way for a new generation of Toy Story characters mm-hmm. and essentially... I mean, killing off is not the correct word because he didn't die. But right. I think Woody will never die. They're essentially <laughs> severing ties with their old characters. Yeah, like Buzz wasn't that big of a thing because Tim Allen's not a huge star anymore. Mm-hmm. So they kind of lessened his role. Um, some of the cast members are dying, like Don Rickles, who played right. Mr. Potato Head. Yeah. Where um, was he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they did give him some lines. That's true, still. they did, yeah. Um, they must have recorded them I believe, in the past. Yeah. I believe the woman who played Mrs. Potato Head also passed away, Estelle oh, Harris, God. I believe. Oh, I think you're right. Uh-huh. Um, we should check. I mean, like, I'm sorry, sure Estelle, if you're I'm out pretty- there listening. <laughs> and, uh, we're, we're just like, yeah, she's totally dead, poor lady. And she's like, what? She's like, I have a play coming out this October. <laughs> yeah, oh my God, these kids need to know. Um, hey, it's Chloe listening back to this and editing the podcast. And I'm dying because I just looked it up. And Estelle Harris is alive. Oh my God, we were so sure she was dead. I'm so sorry, Estelle Harris. We love you. She's very much alive, you guys. Go see her play or anything else she might be doing. I'm sorry. Apologies to Estelle Harris. All right, we got to move on to these. Yes, other we movies. do. We've been you might need so long. <laughs> yeah, it's about Toy Story, yeah. It's okay. So, why don't we. Go through some of these movies rapid fire. Yeah, let's do it. And if there's one that you want to stop on and talk about for an extended period of time, we can. Okay. Um, But I'm just going to go through the list and give me your impression of these movies. I'm going to try and stick to lightning, like, like, you know, lightning round, kind of rapid fire. Okay. Um, And then at the end, let's figure out which ones we want to dive into. Okay. Cool, cool. Uh, Bugs Life. Bugs Life. Love a Bugs Life. Love Dave Foley specifically. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan of him, so I'm so psyched that they that Pixar took a chance on him to make him the main character mm-hmm. of, of Flick. Like, I love the whole world. I love the characters. I think the humor in this movie is uh, maybe the best of any Pixar film. Yeah. Um, the humor is just absolutely outstanding. Yeah. Love Bugs Life. I think it's underrated. Yeah. I think the only reason it's underrated is because it came out when Pixar was still getting its foot in the door. Agreed. And it has not had a sequel. Yep. I think if it had come out any later, would have been a bigger franchise. Definitely. Um, Monsters, Inc. Monsters, Inc. Really like Monsters, Inc. Uh, feel like I should like it more because mm-hmm. I guess the hype around it is so much. Um, but really like the, ho- the whole world is just awesome. Uh, the characters... I think the character, like Mike Lazowski and, and um, what's the big blue furry guy's name? Sully. Sully, thank you. Um, they're like so-so to me. They don't really grab me. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I, Chloe just, sh- you guys just probably heard this. that, but <laughs> Chloe's jaw just hit the floor with a gasp. Like I've never heard, like somebody just died. Um, it was amazing. But yeah, they don't really grab me. Uh, honestly, these side characters grab me more in that world than Mike and Sully. I'm about, I'm about to blow your mind. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hit me, baby. Yeah. Monsters, Inc. My favorite Pixar movie. Wow, hell yeah. Good I, for you. I understand. I, I understand that it is not artistically the best, but 
I believe that it's just the most endearing to me. Mm. And Mike Wazowski is my favorite Pixar character. Whoa! Yeah, that's why my my jaw dropped. Because wow. first of all, you called him Mike Wazowski, and what second of all, Mike, <laughs> Mike Wazowski. Wazowski, yeah. <laughs> Yep, that, that shows it. Yep. Uh, I, I acknowledge <laughs> that it's not the best of the best, but it has a special place in my heart. Fair. Yo, we all got those. <laughs> um, Finding Nemo. Finding Nemo. Good. I like Finding Nemo a lot. I feel like Finding We were talking about this a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. Finding Nemo, I think is a... Guys, Finding Nemo is fucking overrated. Yeah, if yeah. you like Finding Nemo and you think it's the best Pixar film, your reassess together. your goddamn mm-hmm. life. Look in the mirror. Yeah. Change your uh, attitude. Unless you are missing a parent, in which case I get it. <laughs> like that actually does make a lot of sense. <laughs> but like Finding Nemo is fine. It's a fun ride. It just doesn't hit me emotionally as I feel like it hits a lot of other yeah. people emotionally. I love Crush. Crush is dope. Crush, Crush is my dog. And dude. Dory is great. I like Finding Nemo 2 more than I like Finding Nemo 1 really? easily. It made me very sad. <laughs> like Finding oh, Nemo yeah. 2 really hit home for me because I find Dory to be a much more endearing character. Mm. Uh, I think I find like characters with a lot of naivete that can't help, like like childlike characters. Yeah. I think I find like really hit home for me, and Dory is absolutely that. And yeah. it's just like her, the whole everything she goes through in that movie is a lot. <laughs> I think um, Finding Nemo is overrated. Mm. I believe yeah. it's a lot of people's favorite, which is fine. I mean, yeah, Monsters Inc. Totally is fine. my favorite. I, so. I get it if people have a special place in their heart. But like, I, I get that. I will say for Finding Nemo, mm. I think it was the first movie. I think the reason it was so big is mm. that it's the first movie that really showed what Pixar's animation could be. Yeah, that's a very good point. The ocean yeah. looks beautiful. It this does. came out in two thousand four, I believe, or two thousand five. Oh wow! And for being something that early in the state, this is only the fifth. This is the fifth movie that oh, they wow. had, Dang. and for it to be the fifth movie in this entire company's mm. like docket mm. of films, incredible animation. It really yeah. explores parts of the ocean that you might not see if you just go to the aquarium. They really totally. did their research. Yeah, yeah, so, definitely their knowledge shines here. For those reasons, I think that's why it was so. Beloved, outside of just yeah. the touching story. Totally. Um, and it is considered a Pixar classic. And yeah. I I'm, I would put it up there with Pixar classics. Yeah, yeah. totally. And uh, Finding Dory, that was good too. I mean, it was a sequel, yeah. but... Um... <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it just, it just uh, yeah, it just emotionally hit home. And I was yeah. like, oh, that's cool. Um, okay. Incredibles. Incredibles. Love Incredibles. Love Incredibles. <laughs> Incredibles 1 was like... Holy sh... Incredibles 1 is probably top tier for me. If I didn't say that earlier... It's really good. I think it's top tier for me. Because um, it... Yeah, it's a very cool... I think I really like when the villains are shadows of the heroes. Mm-hmm. In this case, very much. Like, literally. Syndrome. Very... Yeah, Syndrome is so awesome. Who doesn't fucking love the Underminer ending, by the way? The, the ending <laughs> the is just so great. It's fantastic. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just, like... I think they explore some really cool things, and they explored it before the superhero craze really took off, yeah. I think. And I loved that. And then Incredibles... Oh, well, well, we'll get to Incredibles, too. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's what I feel. Mm-hmm. Incredibles uh, is incredible. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was my dad's all-time favorite Aww. Pixar film. Aww. He loved it. That's um, awesome. And I, I think it does appeal a lot to adults a mm-hmm. little more than kids mm-hmm. because it does focus on parents and specifically a father figure um but it is a very even though it's about superheroes i think it's a very realistic representation kind of 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 a family totally and of someone who feels like they're not 
achieving their dreams. And it's not because they can't achieve their dreams. Right. Because he was good. Yeah. But someone is actively stopping him from doing so. Yes. Um, wow. That's a, you know what? I've never thought about that movie that way. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. I kind of like it even more now. <laughs> Damn, I didn't think that was possible. That's a, nice. that's a great movie, you guys. And I think it's underrated. Yeah. But incredible storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, now we're going to get into it. Well, let's do it. Cars. Cars. Oh, boy. Cars. <laughs> Cars, I will say. So I saw Cars 1, and I was mm-hmm. like, not for me, but there are some <laughs> fun moments in this movie, and I get it for other people. Mm-hmm. Like, that's kind of my overall take on Cars and uh, Cars 1, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when I think of cars, I think of merchandising. Yeah. Um, I do think it's a beautiful movie when you look at the animation of, you know, the Rainbow Rocks and Route 66 mm. and just the general scenery that they had is, is very good. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't feel like it is a movie for me. I think it's geared much younger because it's like, oh, it's cars and I'm a seven-year-old boy and I like cars. And there's nothing wrong with that because it's a kid's movie. Yes, and also, in addition to seven-year-old boys, middle America in general is it's like it's way geared towards the NASCAR fa- like fan yeah. base, you know, like people in, in like the South and in the Midwest, and yeah, yeah, and yeah. They in general, I from what I understand, seem to appreciate cars a lot more. From yeah, every yeah. time I've been there, there's like a much bigger cultural focus on mm-hmm. like what kind of car you drive. Now uh, let's let's go across the pond. Let's go to let's go to France for a minute. Oh, let's do it. Let's talk about Ratatouille. Ratatouille, you go first. <laughs> I'm curious to hear what you think. Okay. um, Ratatouille, I believe, is also one of Pixar's best. But I wouldn't wouldn't say that it's masterpiece level. I would say that it's very high up there. I take it back. I I think when I said... Did I say Incredibles top tier masterpiece level? Yeah. I take it back. Very high up, but not masterpiece level. I love The Incredibles. Do you think think Ratatouille is masterpiece level? I don't. I don't either. <laughs> but you, you just said that too, right? I thought, that, I thought that's where you were going with this. No. I thought you were like, I take it back. Get no. incredibles out of I'm here. A, I'm, a, I'm a tough critic. Honestly, I, I, I've learned in the last couple of years, I'm actually a tougher critic than I uh-huh. thought. I thought I was kind of a pushover when it comes to movies and stuff, but I'm, mm-hmm. I'm learning. I'm a little discerning. Well, here's my thing. Mm-hmm. I, think if, I think if Pixar didn't have so many standout movies that came mm-hmm. out after Ratatouille, yeah. then I could say, wow, Ratatouille is one of their best. Yeah. But they just, agree. they the next one on our list, and we'll get into it oh, in a don't second. Don't tease me, Chloe. Is really, really going to outshine Ratatouille. Oh, okay. I, think, um, I think Ratatouille is great if you mm-hmm. look at the way that they really, like, paid attention a lot to detail. They did... That's one thing Pixar crushes every yes. time. They're and, so detail-specific and detail-focused. Oh, yeah. I love it. Absolutely. Oh. And especially in this movie, because they really, like... They're talking about food and mm-hmm. like you can tell that it's not just bullshit where they're yeah. like, oh, the savory spices bring <laughs> out the, the flavors on yeah. this artichoke. Like they're like, they're using like actual culinary terminology. They're going off of actual recipes of mm, things. Yeah. It's very detail oriented. I think you do have to suspend your disbelief that a that it works of yes. having a rat in your hat yeah. that but can there, help you cook. But there, there's a certain level of that with a lot of, you know, kids films in particular, but also Pixar. But this one, mm-hmm. yeah, a little bit more suspension. But that's also, that's also like a really creative and like fun concept right. of like, really there's is. a rat living in his hat. Like that yeah. sounds like when you... Pulling his hair to make yeah, him do like, things. Like, pitch, oh, pitch that idea. <laughs> yeah. So good. Pitch that idea and it sounds stupid. You're like, yeah. we're going to make a whole fucking movie about a rat that controls <laughs> someone's fucking hat like <laughs> their hands through their hat like when you put it like that Chloe yeah and it sounds yeah, like it would be the true. world's dumbest movie but then when you yeah. actually watch it you're like this is 
this is incredible. And I think Patton Oswalt really sells it. Oh, I'm yeah. glad that they kind of took a chance. Well, I, I actually don't know where Patton Oswalt was in his career if he was kind of a known, renowned stand-up comic at that point. Because uh, do you know what year it came out, Ratatouille? Uh, 2007, I believe. I don't think Patton Oswalt was like a name, like a, a fairly household name at that point. Mm-hmm. So I feel like they kind of did a Bugs Life Dave Foley on this where they kind <laughs> of were like, we're going to take a chance on a comedian who's got a, a voice that we really like, mm-hmm. who can sell it acting-wise. And I think Patton Oswalt does do great in this film. Side note, have yeah. you ever seen, um, do you watch Billy on the Street? Yeah. No, Billy oh, yeah. Eichner. Have oh, you yeah. ever Have you ever seen Billy Eichner's rant about Ratatouille? No. Okay. What? Should you... we pause and watch it right now? <laughs> <laughs> Did you want to? I mean, kind of, yeah. <laughs> hey, Jamie. Hey, Chloe. Um, now that you've been on the podcast, uh-huh. I have a question for you. Okay. Would you sponsor me? Uh, no, but I don't have any products... Well, like if you were <laughs> just, just kidding, just I basically smart have Alec. I basically have sponsored if you because you... we've promoted my podcast so fucking much on this show, and I'm sorry for everyone who's like, "Oh my god, I don't care about this other podcast." Talk to me about movies, Chloe. But yeah, of course, I would sponsor. Yeah, you, if you were yes. an advertiser, of course, hundred percent. You would want your own time slot in yes. for me to do an ad read. The doy. Well, yeah. I just wanted to prove to all those future sponsors that I'm great at ad reads. I crush. I eat. Ad reads for breakfast, lunch, and din din. It's true. Din din especially. <laughs> especially din din. I'm always eating din din, and I'm like, God, you know what I would love right now? And I call Chloe up, and I'm like, Chloe, can you just like pitch me a product? And I'm like, I'll crush it right <laughs> now. Good, I'm going to be eating my din din. Nummy nummy. Nummy nummy. Hashtag nummy nummy. So I thought it would be fun if you gave me a product or a brand or anything really and I will uh, come up with an ad read for them right here, right now, right on the spot. Ooh, all right, can do. Awesome. This is uh, baby food for bad babies. Okay. <laughs> to like, to like, sort them out, you know, or whatever. I don't know. You come up. <laughs> to sort them out. <laughs> or like, like fix them. Like, <laughs> poison? <laughs> no, it's, yeah, yeah. It's basically baby food, but with poison. Okay, baby food for bad babies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just run with that. Okay. <laughs> where, where, where? <laughs> Where, where, where? Oh, this baby will not shut up. This is one bad baby. Well, what am I going to do about my bad baby problem, you guys? Oh, knock, knock, knock. Someone's at my door. Walk, walk, walk. Turn handle. Open door. Oh, oh my God. It's my baby food subscription, guys. It got here. I'm so excited. Pulls out box, walks to the couch. Squeak. That's the sound of a box opening. <laughs> Guys, look who, look what's here. Oh my god. It's uh it's bad baby man. It's my my baby food for bad babies. Guys, bad baby man is the supreme bad baby baby food subscription service you see all you have to do is go on their website and take their quiz on a scale of one to ten how bad is your baby is it colicky does it bite your little nips when you're trying to that's a bad baby trying to feed it (laughs) will it just not stop crying guys we know that all babies are beautiful and beloved, but some of them just won't behave. So you go online, you give a rate your baby on a scale of one to ten. How well behaved is it? They'll ship this baby food right to your door, and you know 
You know what is really going to take that baby from a bad baby to a good baby? Baby man, uh, baby food. Because you've got, you've got all the nutrients that you need to turn that bad baby into a good one. Is your baby uh, not sleeping at night? Well, perfect. We've got a warm milk and cottage cheese combination for you guys. That is going to soothe their little stomach and it's going to put them right to sleep. It, is your baby biting people? Well, they've got hard food as well. Just put a carrot in their mouth and they're going to chomp on that and not your little fingers. So I'm or, your nips. <laughs> or your nips. Or your little nips. <laughs> they're going to be safe. But... Ooh, chomp free. That's <laughs> does, our guarantee. Does your baby not know how to share? Well, well bad baby man has uh, their, their perfectly portioned miniature little baby pizzas. You can cut them into slices and you teach them the joys of sharing those slices with the ones that they love. You are teaching them how to be a better person, how to be a good citizen, and maybe that bad baby will grow up to be a great adult with uh, Bad Baby Man. Bad baby food for bad babies. How did you like that, Jamie? That was really good. Um, <laughs> I do... Uh... Is is the slogan "bad baby food for bad" ba- or or "good baby food for bad babies"? Good baby food for bad babies. That's I'm sorry, I, I misread my transcript no, no, here. No, no, no. I I was genuinely trying to clarify, and I didn't remember myself, even though you just said it ten seconds ago. So I was just trying to because I was like, oh, I want to know what that slogan is. Oh, well, here you go. I actually have a. Oh yeah. I actually have a product here from them that helps with your memory. So if you want. to... Oh, thank you. Yeah. yeah it's, oh, it's yeah. Oh wow, it's completely different actually. Yeah. It's. The, so the slogan for bad baby food is actually, it's better than spanking. <laughs> and this so one is a, pretty... this one's cream of wheat and spinach. So I think that's Ooh, really going to help you. That's good. Mm-hmm. That's good Folic for acid. bad babies. <laughs> Anyone who's got a bad baby out there should look into that. <laughs> All right, guys. We literally took a break just so I could show him that Billy on the Street clip. Sometimes and, uh, you gotta. <laughs> and what did you think? Um, I love how much he loves that movie. Billy Eichner, <laughs> if you haven't seen the clip, is a huge fan of Ratatouille, apparently. <laughs> and you can tell he's really thought about that before. He's All just... those words he said. <laughs> it's amazing. So um, next, after yes. after Ratatouille, yes. we have Wally. Uh, Wally, top tier. Easily Absolutely. Maybe top. Masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Maybe, yeah. I'm, uh, I've heard of, uh, there are some colleges out there Mm-hmm. Uh, certain with film programs and uh, there are some classes that are dedicated to it, uh, like exploring Wally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like if there is a class about the one film Wally, yeah, <laughs> you've you've done very well. Mm-hmm. I think um, the interesting thing about Wally, it has such a huge environmental message. Yeah, but it actually was not created specifically to have that that's really cool it came out during the writing process because they knew um they knew that they wanted it to have like that sort of element of being out in space yeah and i love how not preachy it is about that yeah and they realized that they didn't really have a way of creating that world that was realistic other than the environmental aspect of it because really what other reasons would there be for everyone living in space they just wanted to go like, I mean, there are some people who believe that, like, well, I don't know. I feel like we would eventually take to space just to, mm-hmm. uh, if it weren't environmental reasons, for population reasons. But let's yeah. assume that it wasn't, like, a reason, like, we got to get out of this place because otherwise X will happen. Yeah. I think eventually humans just enjoy exploring. Yeah. And I think eventually we would take to space 
but I don't think it would have served the movie. Yeah. To have that be the reason. <laughs> like, that would have been weird. Yeah, it, that idea and also the concept of um, by and large. Was it by and large or by and low? I think it was by and large. By because and large. it was like the people were large and, yeah. Yeah, and everything had to be like Costco, <laughs> like huge size. Yeah, yeah the, the by and large company also, like, I read an interview with the, I think it was Pete Doctor who worked yeah. on this. Um, mm-hmm. And he was saying, like, he didn't set out to make a movie that was about, like, environmentalism and, like, capitalism. Mm-hmm. But just in the writing process, that just made the most sense because those are problems that actually could take over. Yeah, and that, that's probably why it didn't come off as, like, this yeah. is a, this is like Fern Gully. Like, <laughs> this is a movie where it's like, humans, you're fucking up. Yeah. Stop hurting our planet. Because it was just like a thing that they... It was just like a, a theme in the world that they had to get out because mm-hmm. the real story takes place in that world. Yeah. So they got to get it out. Yeah. It was um, like a side thing almost. Dude, when I first watched this movie, it yeah. fucked me up. Really? Yes. Oh, yeah. I could see that. I was totally. terrified. Like like of the future of humanity? Yes. Yeah. This you should movie, be. Still. I think this came out in... T- it was either 2007 or 2009. Yeah. I was... Uh, maybe 14 mm-hmm. at the oldest when this movie came out mm-hmm. and I think I saw it like or I saw it around 4th of July and then the whole 4th of July party I was just like uh like <laughs> I was just like there's garbage uh, everywhere no like God. I was like <laughs> I was like fearful of everything I was like those fireworks are like contaminating the atmosphere oh, yeah, nobody's <laughs> going up and picking up those firework <laughs> droppings and that's plastic it's probably killing that whatever patch of grass it lands on it's probably killing a bunch of grass around there yeah i was i was uh, terrified because of this movie yeah, absolutely <laughs> and i think that's that that shows the effectiveness of the movie mm-hmm. but also that movie has such like 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 that's not even a part of the movie yeah like it's a fucking love story about wally and this other robot mm-hmm. like that's great it's just like when you seek go out to accomplish one thing and you accidentally end up making a, a whole bunch of people more mm-hmm. environmentally conscious and like that has this whole nother plot to it that also is equally effective it's like god damn yeah Whew. and i um i just think that movie is a great culmination of what pixar had learned through developing mm. these films over the years because yeah. like Finding Nemo, they're choosing something that they have yet to explore in animation. Mm-hmm. So they haven't done anything really with space before mm-hmm. yep. and they made it beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, so they kind of played on that. They oh, have the scene where they're, they're floating around in space. Mm-hmm. Him and Eve is like, Oh my Amazing. God. Yeah. It's a beautiful scene. They are playing off of how you can make, like these machines look expressive kind mm-hmm. of like what they learned how to do in cars yeah um that yeah. use of like kind of animatronic emotions almost mm-hmm. and then of course just like the the story about people and family and relationships and connections that you can see in all of their movies mm-hmm. yeah. um just like i think that might be as far as like looking at these movies as a piece of art i think wally is the most artistic. Yeah, it's like for each one of those categories, like CGI and animation and like be- sheer beauty. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's like storytelling and then it's like relationships and then it's like character development. For each one of those movies, for the, some of the other ones we've talked about, maybe the animation's a 10, but the yeah. something else is a 7 or whatever. For this movie, I feel like it's like across the board, it's like 9, 10, 9, 10, 9, 10, like at least yeah. 9, if not 10, for every one of those categories you just talked about. Yeah. Anything else on Wally before we move on? I don't think so. I, I, it's it's funny because it's so good. There's almost just not much to say yeah. about it other than it's like, wow, what a film. Mm-hmm. What a piece of art. Yeah. And interesting because it was the first one that they 
incorporated live footage into as well because you you, oh yeah you have the clips the clips from hello dolly the transmission from uh fred willard playing the the president of Of by and large earth or yeah by and large but he's like taken over i think they've like basically taken over the government at this point too i think you're right yeah um Yeah, so they, they used new technology that they hadn't used before. Too. That is cool, yeah. Mm-hmm. They're really pushing boundaries. Yeah. All right, next on our list is Up. Oh, okay. You Up, ready for this? Up one? is my favorite Pixar film, I think. <laughs> it's, it's, it's honestly, it's a photo finish. Like, there are so many that are incredibly good that I might, even throughout the course of my life, like, oscillate a little bit on mm-hmm. that. But Up just touches me so much and is so, so very. Uh, it just. So touching, and it, <laughs> the first ten minutes, I I have that song on my phone. I and love that song. It's uh, yeah, it's amazing, and I think it's just called um, uh, marriage, married life, or marriage, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's married life, married life. Uh, and I have it on my phone, and if I ever need to cry, I'm an actor. Uh, <laughs> sometimes before auditions where I have to get somber and then cry in the audition, I'll be like, "What's it like to cry it again?" Because I'm a man living in America, and I don't know what emotions are. <laughs> So I put on that song, and then I remember what crying is. <laughs> like it's it's and they and it's so amazing. I, there's like a meme or something that was floating around when Up came out uh, that was like Up does like packs more emotional value in ten minutes than the whole Twilight movie does in two hours. <laughs> and there was like this whole stance that they took, like apparently uh-huh. just trying to shut down Twilight, I guess. As if but, they're one in the same. Right, exactly. <laughs> As if they're any. Even in the same the world of comparison. Yeah, exactly. Twilight, oh, New Moon. Up and Twilight are going head to head all the time. You got to pick one and say, fuck the other. I'm team up. Uh, yeah, no, it's like, uh, when I, yeah, there's no comparison. But 100%. Like, those the first 10 minutes, you establish so much character, you establish so much emotion, you establish so much relationship. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, you would, working in such broad strokes over the yeah. course of these two people's lives, it's like, oh, yeah, there's a lot that, you, you know, you risk being lost there. Yeah. But they somehow managed to, like, <laughs> paint the picture of these people and then show you a montage of their life effectively. Um, and it, you, you never for one second are like, yeah, but I, I don't really feel like I'm getting the whole breadth and depth of their relationship. <laughs> they somehow, like, managed to pack in complexity and nuance and all of this character specific detail and it feels it's just like it feels so human and it, it just touches you so deeply yeah. or at least for me by the end of it yeah mm-hmm. that is it is a great film the only reason that i don't have it top of like my personal list mm-hmm. is i just once we get in like past the past like maybe the first act mm-hmm. um Sometimes it gets a little boring to me. I can actually, I can actually see, I can meet you on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know if I agree a hundred percent, but I like, like I actually, yeah. I, for me, it doesn't do that, but I can see why you would say that. I think mm-hmm. because it does the the as some people would call it in film terms, the fun and games of this movie, yeah. where they're like exploring this this crazy place and like oh they're in the jungle and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Admittedly, like not the really most interesting parts of the movie to me. Yeah, it's it's the moments where they uh, you know. It's it's the big moments of emotional fulfillment that happen um, yeah. between the characters that really hit it for me. All the other stuff is yeah, kind of take a leave it take it leave it fluff a little bit. Yeah, I, I do love um, Kevin the bird <laughs> and Do- uh, Doug the dog. Uh-huh. Like they are great characters, f- filling the movie with much comic relief that I love a lot. Yeah, but yeah, like uh, the the 
it's it's weird because a movie that's it, it about exploration um the whole movie is that they're going on one big adventure the adventure is not the part of the movie that, yeah and maybe that's actually a conscious choice that the that like the adventure is just kind of like meh Take it or leave it. <laughs> Whatever. The real adventure was the friendship they found together. It's kind of true, though. <laughs> like, you say that, and I was thinking it 100%. And, yeah. I, I yeah. yeah. I think it's true. But, so so even though it's... And I'm a guy who loves adventure. I'm a dungeon master <laughs> of a friggin' D&D campaign. Like, I am all about adventure. And if, you know, I get mad when people don't give me good adventure. But, like, yeah. I, I agree with that 100%. I think... Even though it's not one that I rewatch all the time, I still mm-hmm. keep it in that top tier of like masterpiece Pixar, yeah. like, without a doubt. Good. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So the next movie was Toy Story three, which we touched on. Um, Briefly. Cars. <laughs> Cars two. Cars two. Uh, uh, have we said? Have we talked about Cars two on air? I forget whether we um, just did it briefly or not. We have not. This is the only one that I haven't seen. I think mm. we we did talk about that a little bit. I think briefly earlier. Did yeah. you see Cars 2? I have not seen Cars 2, no. We can just skip over this one because... That's what I hear. <laughs> just as if uh, as Pixar has done. Uh, yes. That never happened. Yes, indeed. Uh, after Cars 2 was Brave. Mm, I did see Brave. I saw Brave in theaters. Okay, what did you think of Brave? So it's been a while since I've seen Brave, but my from what I... And I remember... I remember Brave... When I when I think of Brave, um, <laughs> I remember thinking I was going to get one thing, and then getting something completely different. Yes. And I felt it was a little bit like it felt like a bait and switch a little bit mm-hmm. because, unlike Up, which I think I was uh, went into also expecting like oh boy wacky old man and kid go on adventure. Yes. Um, then I didn't get adventure, and I was still satisfied. This movie, I was like, oh yeah. Badass Scottish red-haired chick, like big hair, bow and arrow, <laughs> super into this sick, weird adventure. Whatever's gonna happen, it's gonna be cool. Because they didn't really show much in the trailer at all. Yeah, it was just they showed her with a bear. Her... They showed her with a bow and arrow, shooting yes. a lot, and her. I'm saying gonna cool fight things. for my own hand. And I was like, yeah, let's show her <laughs> fighting and shooting arrow. Katniss Everdeen, get at me! Yeah. Like, yeah, I was expecting that, and then. This bear movie comes out. Yes, that is my gripe with Brave. Is that what I was that? I thought that it was gonna be and, and there was there were some behind the scenes things going on. Um but I thought, sweet, this is gonna be a whole like adventure movie of this mm-hmm. girl competing in all these tasks. Yeah. That's what I wanted. Yep. Perfect. That yep. was the marketing. Give it to me. Then it turned into Brother Bear. Yeah, they didn't give it to me. It was it was, I, uh, I've it was, never rewatched it. I yeah. watched it once, and I was like, "That's I'm good." And I think it, I think it speaks to the uh, I don't know the 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 badness of <laughs> the bear plot that we ended up getting because I think Pixar had earned enough credibility where they could have pulled a little bait and switch like that, and you know, as they have done with Up and other movies in the past, yeah. where you think you're getting one thing and then oh you're getting another. Like Wally, you think you're getting this robot movie, but then you're getting oh this environmental stuff. Like yeah. they have a way of doing that, of like kind of sneaking in these cool plots that you didn't know you wanted, but then you got and you're like I love it. But then yeah. this bear movie, the plot with it, it, they try to make it about family and about <laughs> all this stuff and people being kind of. The same on the inside, I think, is the general idea. But, like, I don't really even remember what they were getting at. And it wasn't good what they were getting at because it didn't have any emotional impact on me whatsoever. Yeah. Which I think, yeah, it speaks to the Uh, the lack of of writing writing quality. I'm looking up the name of this woman. Um, Mm -hmm. 
But I do know that originally the there was um, okay Brenda Chapman. So yeah. so Brenda Chapman was billed as the director of this movie. Okay, she was like steering the ship at first. Well, do you know if it was like first female director of a Pixar yes. film? Yes. Cool. So she was awesome. going to be the first oh, female director. What a disappointment. So what happened from what I understand is uh, she originally conceived this movie to actually be like a mother-daughter relationship, which mm-hmm. is prominent in the film. Yeah. Um, and she was really the one steering the ship. And somehow she... I don't know if she ran afoul of John Lasseter mm. specifically or something happened where they kind of took the movie away from her Whoa. and gave it to a male director. Oh, shit. So she's credited as like co-director, but not full director. I did not know that. Because partway through the process, it was kind. she was kind of like stripped of her role in it. Whoa. And she's been vocal about the fact Ooh. that she was not treated very well and that the movie became... <sighs> something that it wasn't supposed to be in her eyes. Damn. And to me, I really wonder, like, if this movie... I mean, I, I don't know which parts were her contributions necessarily, but I wonder, right. like, is that why this movie seems like it's all over the place? Is it because they kind of chopped her out? Yeah. Was this... Like, I, I don't know. Yeah. But that's a very interesting thing to think about is like, what could this have been if they hadn't done that? It definitely <laughs> is. And I don't know how big a role when it comes to storyline and plot structure and like dialogue and like the actual script itself how big a a a influence the director has on it Mm -hmm. i would imagine a lot but my experience with with live action is that the director directs and then can like you know film some extra scenes with some improv and and possibly you know maybe they'll do a day of rewrite uh maybe um, there are extreme cases where that's not been true and the director's rewritten whole scenes and stuff, of course. But like yeah. most of the time, yeah, the director directs what is already yeah. uh, there for them. For so me- I don't know how big a role that is in Pixar, yeah. but I would hope... That, so So I don't know exactly how much that would have changed things, but I'd like to think that this movie is a mess because they did that. Yeah. Like part of me wants that to be the case. I mean... From yeah. what I've heard, the directors kind of have a big role in Pixar because yeah, I, I feel like, and this is partially what I've heard like through the grapevine and part of what I've deduced is yeah. I think like they have people who are in charge of story, mm-hmm. but then overall those like big names at Pixar, like John Lasseter when he was there, yeah. Pete Docter, yeah. uh, Andrew Stanton, mm-hmm. like those big names who are also directors on a lot of films have generally like the most say out of the actual storylines mm. and they get a lot of more credit for the storylines. I've just heard that the directors tend to take over the story a little more and have a lot more influence. I don't know since obviously I don't work there. God, but... now I want to see her, like her version. If she had just been uh-huh. allowed, like treated right and been allowed to complete the movie. I would have loved to have seen what yeah. she would have come up with. And I mean, I mean, who knows? Maybe hers would have been shitty. I have no idea. Yeah, maybe, but, but we'll have no way of knowing now. It does now. seem all over the place. So what that's, we got certainly wasn't yeah. great. Um, after that, it's funny because after Toy Story 3, you're kind of entering like a five-year span of movies that aren't super good. Yeah. Uh, and Monsters University is next. Monsters University. List. I thought Monsters University was super fun. Mm-hmm. I had a fun time. Uh, that's it. <laughs> I actually loved Monsters University when it came out. Oh, yeah? And, then, and now that I've watched it, I recognize that it's not as good as, like, the original Monsters, Inc. It's good that you can recognize but, that. 
<laughs> but this is really yeah. what solidified Mike Wazowski as yeah. my favorite yeah. Pixar character. Just I feel like I identify so much with him. Like I yeah. love that he's just like he's like very ambitious and like he's just like a little guy, but he has so much like yeah. confidence. Oh yeah. And like I just I love uh Mike Wazowski and this is really like his film. Mm-hmm. So Definitely. even though even though it's just like a middle of the road type of movie, it's yeah. not awful, it's not great. Mm-hmm. Uh I get a kick out of it. And, yeah. yeah, it's, it's a, it was a really good time. Next on the list is possibly my uh, like possibly my favorite outside of Monsters Inc. Ooh, okay. Inside Out. Oh, Inside Out. Yeah. Inside Out was great. Um speaking of Pixar like diving into emotional complexities, which mm-hmm. I think is like their strongest thing that that i'd say is like if if people if somebody was like describe to me what makes pixar movies in as a whole so successful Mm -hmm. i would be like well they're willing to dive into emotional nuance in the way that many animated films definitely don't do like they talk to kids about complicated suspects they break it down into layman's terms into ways that kids can understand and they don't shy away from the complex stuff they don't they really go into the shades of gray uh and i think this movie is like uh, um like (laughs) the most obvious prime example of that when i heard the premise of this movie i was like how the fuck are they gonna do that i was like osmosis jones much yeah i was like it's a movie about just being in someone's head. Right, and I where do you go with that? Yeah, yeah, I didn't really get what they were going to do. And then what they did was just like so outside of yeah. anything I inside, expected. Inside, outside. <laughs> or outside, inside. <laughs> and I think the great part of this movie is that the message is that it's okay to be sad. Yeah. Which is... Fucking love that. Incredible. Mental health. Motherfucking yes. Yeah, and Something it's... Something we don't get enough in this country. And Pixar was like, no, we're fucking talking about it. It was yeah. awesome. Yeah, and it's it's a beautiful message. Like, yeah. you, can't, you can't have joy unless you allow yourself to also have sadness. Yep. And that's like... And all the other negative emotions as well. Like, yeah. I mean, like, obviously it was mainly about sadness. But, like, they talked about the, the multicolored balls at the end. Like, happiness mixed with rage and, like, all these... And happiness mixed with fear and, like, all these other mm-hmm. ones. Yeah, it was so cool. Yeah, and it's... It was beautiful. I loved the score. I think it was the same person who did the score for Up as well. Oh, interesting. Um, I don't really remember the score a ton, a ton, but now I'm going to go listen to it and see if it, like, you know, if I. I think really I think when like, you hear it, it'll like it'll, it'll all come back of, to you because oh, it is cool. very distinct, like yeah. in the movie. Mm-hmm. I think the vocal performances in this movie specifically mm-hmm. are also incredible. Amy Poehler. Oh yeah, Amy Poehler is amazing. So, so great. She crushes it. She's perfectly cast. Mm-hmm. Like, oh yeah. I think it it is one of the best casts that they've had in mm-hmm. in their movies. Yeah, I would definitely agree. And it's uh, it's the character is basically like an animated Leslie Nope. Mm-hmm. So they kind of knew it was gonna work. <laughs> I mean, I can't say enough good things about this movie. Totally. Also, Bing Bong. Bing bong. Bing bong. <laughs> well, at first I felt a little bit like Bing bong was a little bit forced upon me. Like I could see the strings of like Pixar's like making me want to like this character a lot. I get yeah. it. He's the silly imagination, imaginary character. Mm-hmm. By the end when he did leave, I was crying. So yeah. they, fuck you, you did it. <laughs> <laughs> and I also think, I know this is like totally out of left field, I suppose. Yeah. But I liked that his character design was so complicated because... Yeah, they put a lot of attention to detail. There's a lot of detail. And it shows me that he was not just created to be a cash grab. Yes, because that's who, a great point. Like, that's a very good point. Like, okay, take a, take a character like Forky. Or at least a very complicated cash grab. Yeah. Well, take a character like Forky. <laughs> yeah. He has simple design. He yes. appeals to kids. 
I he's obviously a merchandisable yeah. character, and they've done a very smart thing by making that fact that he, that he is so simple an inherent part of his character, mm-hmm. which is very smart. On and then part. and then Bing Bong. You would think is like, ah, oh, this is like the character that they want everyone to obsess right. over and buy toys and stuff. But yep. the fact that his character design is so complicated doesn't lend itself that well to toys. That's true. And so, I don't, I haven't seen any Bing Bong toys out yeah. there. Yeah, and it, it kind of added credibility to me, to be honest. That's a very good point. Yeah, mm-hmm. now it's adding it to me now. <laughs> <laughs> good Dinosaur was released the same year as Inside Out. That's and right. It no was one th- talked about it. I actually just read this morning, The Good Dinosaur and Inside Out was the first year that Pixar had released two films instead of just mm-hmm. one. I think it's worth noting that after Toy Story 3, it appears mm-hmm. that uh, there's kind of a shift in these movies. And mm-hmm. I think a Definitely. lot of that has to do with Disney's interference in Pixar. Ah. Because when you look at this list after Toy Story 3... A lot of them are sequels. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are coming out closer, like in a closer time period of each other. That's a very good point. Whereas before there would be like years. Like I think mm-hmm. Toy Story was 2000, 2000. Yeah. Toy Story was 1995. Yeah. Uh, I believe Bugs Life was like 97. Mm-hmm. And then Toy Story 2 was 99. Monsters Inc. was 2001. Like yeah. those are all big spans of time yeah and then you look at all of these and it's like we got two in like 2015 then we got 2016 we got 2017 we got two that are coming out this year yeah and i think between disney uh you know buying them and uh their pixar's success and them just being like flushed with cash it makes a lot of sense that they would you know, there would be less and less time yeah. between the pictures, uh, between the films coming out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This span of time, I think, is when people started to kind of lose faith a little bit in Pixar. Yeah, there was probably a little bit of slippage from some people. Yeah, because yeah. when you look at it, like these first films, like all the way up to basically, yeah, up until Toy Story 3, it's almost as if they can do no wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and I never lost faith. <laughs> so... I still haven't lost faith. Let I me haven't just lost say faith for the completely record. either. I still, like, if Pixar puts out a thing and the trailers are anywhere near decent or intriguing, yeah, yeah. you better believe it. I'm seeing that in theaters, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, I think a lot of that has to do, I think a lot of people's uh, cynicism, I guess, has yeah. to do with the amount of sequels that they mm-hmm. created. Yeah, and I, I, res- I get that. Yeah, I respect mm-hmm. and I get that. And we'll, we'll get into that one in a moment when we talk about their relationship with Disney. Um, mm-hmm. I forgot about the good dinosaur. Yeah, let's get back to that. I just I'm, you've seen that. I have not. I'm so curious to hear what you thought of mm-hmm. it. The scenery, cool. the animation is just like it's very beautiful. I think where they fall flat, and honestly, this is one of the reasons I think people were put off from seeing it, mm-hmm. is the character design mm. is so bad. The on the little cave boy or the, uh, uh, the dinosaur? kind of both. First Dang. of all, the cave boy looks like he's from the Croods. Do you remember that? Yes, movie? I do, and yes, he does. 100%. He looks like he's from the Croods. Yes. The dinosaur's face is so basic. Yeah, there's not much attention to detail there. Yeah, at all. And I remember liking his feet though, <laughs> but that was it. <laughs> I don't know when, why his feet stuck. Yeah, but. When I saw the trailer, I thought that this was from like Illumination or something. Yeah, it because, looks like an Illumination film. Because they're going for that same like bubbled out, like rounded sort of animation style. Yeah. And Pixar's not known for that. No. And so I identified it not as a Pixar movie. I think some people don't even think it's a Pixar movie. Yeah. Um, 
it was not a bad film, but it was honestly just kind of boring, mm. not super memorable. Mm. I think there were some moments that were kind of interesting, but for the most part, it wasn't a Pixar level movie to me. Mm. Yeah. Um, and that's unfortunate. I wouldn't mm. say it's a terrible movie, but it it's was. Not. Pixar it, has a standard at this point. Yeah. Especially at this point. And it was just not Pixar standards. Dang, that's too bad. That's uh, honestly, I'm, I'm disappointed to hear that, but it makes a lot of sense based on everything and everybody that I. Everything yeah. that I heard and everybody that I talked to who had seen uh, it. Uh, we, t- we touched on Finding Dory a little bit. Yes, we did. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Cars, Cars 3. Yeah. Did you see Cars 3? I did not see Cars 3. <laughs> Cars 3. I Cars 3. <laughs> Let's talk about it. Tell me, Chloe. Did what did you, you think of Cars did you 3? see the trailer for Cars 3? Ooh, we can pause and watch it right now if you want. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but no, I did not. I don't think it's necessary Or it's been too, too long since I have and I forgot. <gasps> Cars 3, I saw and it was so bad. What's like the main, like, <laughs> Steve McQueen does this. Okay, light, like, Lightning McQueen. Is, Lightning McQueen. Lightning is Steve McQueen. Steve McQueen's the fucker he's based on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Lightning McQueen is getting old. He want, He's uh, being passed up by a lot of other racers who are younger and faster uh, and have better technology. Just like Owen Wilson in real life. <laughs> yeah. So he goes to a training facility to try to get updated. His trainer is a young yellow car named Cruz who also wants to be a racer. And it's just him. Wait, vaguely Mexican? Yes. Yes, of course. <laughs> of course they did. Uh, yep. So she's his trainer. He's kind of like stuck in this small town. Also, there's a subplot where like the guy, well, Paul Newman died, who played like his, mm. who, who was he, the sheriff oh, or something? Yeah. He yeah, played like the sheriff right. in the first movie. Uh-huh. And so there's a whole subplot where they're just like, I miss him for like the whole movie. Mm. Which, just, if done well, you know. I mean, exploring that. That's I great. guess if I had maybe watched the first one and under like before I went to go see this again, like maybe it would seem more impactful. Yeah. But it didn't. It seemed uh, very shoehorned in. Word. And it then, probably was. <laughs> spoiler alert, at the end, Lightning McQueen realizes that he it should retire, and guess who takes his place? It's his trainer, Cruz. Oh, the the peppy young one. Wow. wow. The one that's uh, super, you know, like vaguely Mexican, Mexican and a little bit relatable to American yeah. American life in this yep. culture right now. Yep. Yeah. So uh, that cool. was Cars 3. There's also a really creepy ending part where like, fuck, I wish I remembered who this, who Paul Newman's character had been uh, in relation to Lightning McQueen. We can look it up right but, now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> who, what the fuck did Paul, Paul Newman? Paul Newman, Cars. I use voice to text because I'm over, I'm over 30 at this point. Doc Hudson. I still don't know who that is. You know Doc Hudson? <laughs> oh, that that insanely memorable Pixar character, yes, Doc Hudson. Yeah, he was in uh, this this car. <laughs> you know this car? Oh, that car. Um, Doc he was. Hudson. <laughs> oh my god! Wait, this description is so fucking good. There's a Wikipedia description of this car. <laughs> Let me read this shit. <laughs> Doctor Hudson Hornet, M.D. Parentheses, also known as the fabulous Hudson Hornet, HUD, Doc Hudson, or simply Doc, is an animated anthropomorphic retired race car who appears in the 2006 Pixar film Cars as a medical doctor and a local judge. (laughs) (laughs) Just that sentence fucking blew my mind. That was amazing. 
Oh my god! Well, wow. that's, what is, that's Doc Hudson, and the whole movie they talk about how much they miss him. Oh yeah, and, then, and he's a big part in the earlier movies. Yeah, but then at the wow. end, at the end when Lightning McQueen retires. He like comes out with a new look and he's painted to look exactly like Doc Hudson. Oh, wow. And I was like, holy shit, that's like the equivalent of like someone putting like some dead person's like skin <laughs> over the cause like Or at least wearing their clothes. Because like their paint job is like that's their body. So it's like if you it's true. Up, but but paint is like their clothes, you know? <laughs> it was like that episode of King of the Hill where Bill starts dressing up like oh Lenore God. Oh and my God. Like, oh. I'm Lenore. That's so terrifying. That's, that's what this reminded me that's of. That's fair. No, that's, that, there is something eerie to that, for sure. Oh uh, that's that's weird. Um, it was so oh, bad. That's unsettling, yeah. <laughs> that is unsettling. Oh, my God. Okay, that's, Cars all, 3. that's no. all you need to know about Cars 3 is cool. that it sucked. That's all I want to know about Cars 3. <laughs> and then he wears someone else's skin <laughs> slash clothes. And then Owen Wilson put on Paul Newman's skin and rode off into the sunset. There's also a line where he's trying to train on the beach and it's hard for his wheels on the sand and he goes, life's a beach and then you drive. Oh, no. <laughs> I have to take my glasses off. I have to put my face in my hands. Uh, I'm so upset by that. And I like puns. I like wordplay a lot. Um, that that hurts my heart, Chloe. I'll be honest. I'm going to go into oh. your bathroom and cry a little bit, and then we can, we can start up again. Wow. Coco. Coco. Talked about it a little bit. Okay. But... Coco, I feel like, restored a lot of faith in Pixar for mm-hmm. a lot of people. Absolutely. I, I know it did for, for me. I was like, mm-hmm. finally, a Pixar film that I feel uh, about again, like, <laughs> to put it in weird terms. Uh, yeah, Coco is fucking beautiful. Mm-hmm. God damn. And I, every, every meaning of that word for Coco. Yeah. yeah. I, I think the, the thing about Coco was, based off of the trailers, I wasn't really getting much from it. Yeah. Pixar does... Pixar has a very interesting... I don't know who they use to cut their trailers or what they... But they have a very interesting... I, I like that they don't reveal a lot of the movie. Yeah. And this might also be another Disney-influenced thing, because Disney does like to do this as well, where they kind of give you a taste of the characters and a taste of the world. And then they're like... But we're not going to give you a taste of the premise. Yeah. We're going to hold that back, and you're going to have to come and see what you're kind of in for. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, Coco was one of those movies where it's like you kind of get a sense of what's going on. There's some Day of the Dead stuff, but you don't really know what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then once I found out what's going on, I was like, oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> I'm so in. Like, it was the opposite of Brave. Yeah. <laughs> I found out, and I was like, oh, that's what we're getting into? Mm-hmm. Cool. Let's explore death for kids. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. It was. <sighs> It was so like, I mean, I feel like all we're gonna say is good things about this movie. Probably. I can't, I can't we're think just of a negative. Gush. Yeah. I honestly can't think of a, a thing that I didn't like about it. I'm gonna think right now for a solid five seconds okay. and really go through all the movie and okay. see if there's anything I didn't okay. like. Flash through it in your mind. I'll count. Get, you I'm gonna try and even get real nitpicky okay. too. Nope, the dog's cute. <laughs> Antagonist is great. Perfect movie. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, I mean, like, it's it's beautiful. Uh, The comedic relief is is, uh, where it should be. Um, Character relationships are obviously there. Uh, Amazing music. Uh, Main character, lovable and without being annoying. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
I uh, this is this is maybe a compl- uh, be a complaint, but not yeah. really. Um, I saw the turn of the guy being his dad. I saw that oh, coming for a little bit, yeah. but even so, the minute I saw it, I was like, "Oh, I hope that's what it is." <laughs> you know, it wasn't like, uh, "Oh, that's uh, they're gonna do this." You know, yeah. with like a smug smile. It wasn't like that. It was like, <laughs> "Oh, I think that's his dad." Ooh, that's gonna be a really good yeah. reveal when that does turn. I, um, yeah, it was great. I knew Ernesto de la Cruz was gonna be evil because there was just no. When you have a he's character, too good. He's yeah, too perfect. When you have a character, and I'm okay with that. Saying that they love you, like he's evil. Yeah. Um, Especially Pixar. Yeah. Who loves to show you a they perfect love character and be like, evil. but let's get into the how like the shit. They love are great. making good people evil, they and do. then their they, evil character is good. I know, <laughs> and I fucking love Pixar for that. God um, bless their hearts. I think the only negative I can say that turns into a positive. Yeah. Is that when I first saw it, I w- like when I was first watching it, the very beginning of the movie, I was like, oh, great. Like, mm-hmm. I wasn't sold on it yeah. because the concept of like music is banned from my house and we don't Butlers. like music. Yeah. I was like, oh, God. Like, I've seen this a thousand times and right. I, I thought it was going to be cheesy. Yeah, it's uh, a very, it's not like a central cons- uh, premise. It yeah. is just like a little rule that the that is laid down in the family that be- it, it like has. Uh, stakes for the characters yeah. but it's not stakes for the plot line if that makes any sense at and all and because of that it made it okay because yes because the like at first I was like oh this is cheesy like something's gonna happen and then at the end they're gonna be like I can see how much you love music and because of that <laughs> yes. now music is suddenly allowed again it wasn't again. like his love of music saved the day yeah and yeah. because it Although wasn't that it kind of was but it wasn't that yeah because it was more about like the family the relations the relationship yeah. yes and stuff like that um it, it retroactively made me okay with the beginning of the movie yeah and it solved it for me and then I was like fine it all fell together and yeah. uh Wonderful. They danced right up to that line, and then we're like, no, we're not going to crash. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, t- I totally agree. Also, the world. Uh, the dead, the afterlife world. Mm-hmm. So well. Uh, as I also very much so appreciate worlds. Um, mm-hmm. like, and I love when Pixar really explodes them. Uh, this yeah. one was well exploded. Like, really cool. Oh, yeah. I love all the colors that they use for all the, you know, like the the, t- the flying tiger, like the Pegasus tiger thing. Oh, uh, yeah. So, like, the colors on that thing are just so vibrant and beautiful. And the way everything works with, like, the longer your family remembers you, that's how long yeah. you can come back. Like, I loved all the rules that they laid down. They were base- They were complex and basic all at once, which I love. Yeah. And the rules made sense. They mm. weren't arbitrary. Yeah. They made sense in, like, the course of the film and in aligning with the culture that they yep. were also trying to tie into. Yep. But I love that we were focusing on the Day of the Dead, but like kind of through the dead's perspective. Yeah. And on a personal note, like I always, I'll like always have a soft spot in my heart for Coco because mm. this was the movie that, um, it was the last movie I saw in theaters with my dad before he passed away. We oh, saw shit. it. We saw it on Christmas, like my last Christmas that he was around. We all went to the theater and saw this movie together. And so as if Coco wasn't an emotional movie enough. Right. Every time I watch this movie, it's just yep. like emotional on a different level. Remember to me. me. Like, holy yes. shit. Yeah. It's beautiful. Um, uh, yeah. And I, That's I really just cool. love that movie. That's really cool. No, honestly, that, 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 God, you must, yeah. I was going to say, I was like, you must love this movie. Yeah, you do. You do. <laughs> oh, it'll hit you different. <laughs> oh, I bet. I bet. Um, and the last movie that we have not touched on yet is Incredibles 2. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I want you to go first on this one. Okay. Um, I go for, you, you let me go first so often. I appreciate that, but yeah. 
I'm curious. Brad Bird can do better. That's I'm so glad say. you said that because when you started that, I thought you were going to say, Brad Bird can do no wrong. <laughs> and I was going to be like, ah. He um, can do better. We I waited, agree. I fucking love Brad Bird. We waited 14 Brad, years Brad, I love or you. Yeah. <laughs> Brad, come on this podcast. Brad, come on I, this podcast. We won't talk shit about Incredibles 2 when you come on, but we're going to talk shit now. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of shit. Um, <laughs> and I'm, we'll kiss you when you come on the podcast, uh, just on the cheek. But yeah, I mean, here's the thing. So it sounds like Incredibles 2 for you was... Okay. Disappointing. Disappointing. Not terrible, uh, but not a movie I would really rewatch. Got it. So the so when I went into Incredibles two, I had heard a lot of mixed things. Mm-hmm. Um, so like my hype meter was adjusted appropriately, <laughs> uh, where I'd heard some people say really liked it, really fun, great time, and I'd had some people say um, Anton at the Cheesecake Factory actually that it was a shameless cash grab. Um, really bad, not mm-hmm. worth anyone's time. So I kind of went in, not expect, like I, my expectations for this one were kind of released. And then I saw it and I was like, you know what? I came out of it and I was like, that was fun. It wasn't yeah. great. Like I it wasn't, definitely wasn't for me as good as Incredibles. Yeah. Um, it definitely wasn't bad though. All I have to say really about Incredibles yeah, 2 is... I don't know how a movie that we waited so long for mm-hmm. felt so rushed. I think that is a very good point. We have waited a long time for this one. And the fact, yeah, there is an inherent uh, hype kind of built up when you wait longer for something. Yeah. Anticipation builds naturally. Like, even if you had not heard anything, um, uh, one... You know, let's take aside the fact that Incredibles 1 was a very good film. Uh, the, the fact that, we, what, did we, what did we wait? 15 years for this, maybe? Yeah, I think it was like 14 or something. Yeah, that, that's a long time to wait for a, um, a follow-up to a very, you know, well-regarded film. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't deliver as far as it should have there. And it's, it's almost the amount of time that we waited between Toy Story 2 and Toy Story 3. Interesting. And Toy Story 3... It played on the fact that you had waited that long. It yeah. had that time jump that yeah. seemed appropriate because we had waited that long. Good point. It had that emotional payoff. It had that appeal both to nostalgia and not looking at it through the nostalgic lens. Yeah. And Incredibles 2 was just a movie that could have come out three years after the original. Yeah. And so. and probably they would have had the ideas and the world maybe rolling around on their head a little bit better. Uh, and I think it would have produced a better film. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to know... What did you think? Uh, well, who is? Do you remember who the antagonist is of Incredibles Two? Uh, the Screen Slaver, who is that's right, uh, the Screen Slaver, who is um, mm. I think her name is like Eve or something. Yeah, they're like something her like and that. Bob Odenkirk, who plays her brother, are like that's right. we're gonna bring the supers back. And I knew one of them was gonna be evil. Right, totally. I wasn't invested enough in the relationship yeah. between. They didn't do a good job to yeah. building that. The relationship between Helen and um, whatever her name is, Eve, I think. I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah. Evelyn, I think. Uh, yeah, I think that's it. Their relationship was not established well enough for mm-hmm. me so that when it turned out that she was evil, it didn't feel like a betrayal. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, okay, well. I didn't know you that well, so... Yeah, it wasn't enough of a flip. Yeah. You're right. Um, Also, this was... I I really didn't enjoy Edna Mode in this movie. Oh, really? I wanted to enjoy her much more because I love Edna. Uh (laughs) Like, the first movie, she is obviously, like, a standout, awesome character who is amazing. Mm -hmm. And I went into this being like, all right, ready for some more Edna. What's this bitch (laughs) up to? And then uh, (laughs) what I got was, like, like, it seemed a little... uh, 
We got to get her to do it's, something. It seemed a little fan servicey, yeah, yeah. Because they were like, oh, people are going to want some Edna. Let's just have her do what she does. Yeah. And it, well, there was no, like, it, it, was, it seemed like old hats kind of stuff. They didn't put a lot of thought or attention to detail in Edna. She didn't yeah. evolve or, or grow for me. And, then, like, not that you need that specifically with comedic characters a lot of times, but... Yeah, well, the stuff that she does wasn't really compelling or well-written, I don't yeah. think. I do think it's interesting that the best part of the movie was a baby. Yeah. Jack-Jack is the best part of this film to me. Yeah. And I can tell Brad Bird likes writing that character. Yes, definitely. Um, that From really all the shorts across. they put out after yeah. one to this and, movie. Yeah. And um, I... I thought that was interesting, at least, that the baby is the best character. <laughs> yeah, very interesting. And, and it's like, you have an entire rest of the family, and I don't even remember what some of the members were doing in this film. Yeah. Like, what what is... Are they going through any sort of emotional arc? Or? Teen, teen drama. Yeah. Oh, right. The girl likes the guy, and she wants to get with the guy, right? Tony Radinger. Oh, God, Tony. <laughs> Why do you remember that? <laughs> because they, of the say way they say it so it? Tony Radinger. Tony Radinger. What's the son doing? Like, what the I don't know. Math? He? He's literally <laughs> doing math. <laughs> That's his emotional arc in this film. Is like, I God, did. I just can't do math. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, well, um, there are two new Pixar movies mm-hmm. coming to us in 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one will be coming out March 6th, and that is Onward. Um, that one, I think, has been getting kind of the most hype because it has Tom Holland and Chris Pratt in it. That's right. And as far as Disney is concerned, can't go wrong with them. Yep. And then the second one is Soul, and yep. that's coming out on June 19th. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of two things could happen. Either Onward is going to... Comp- be huge and completely overshadow Soul. Mm-hmm. Sorry, or, when did you say Soul was coming out again? Uh, June, June 19th. Okay, so only a little bit after mm-hmm. that. Wow. They're Because they're very close. And yeah. they're, I mean, Onward could feasibly still be in the theaters when this comes out. That's if true. it has a long enough run. Um, or Onward completely dips out quickly and then Soul takes over as the movie people talk about for the rest of the year. There are a couple more options where both are smash hits somehow or both are flops. Oh, that would be an interesting... That would be very interesting. A double flop. They're not going to flop. Onward's not going to flop. I don't think... Interesting. So (laughs) I don't think... I think Soul... Okay, so of the two, would you say the one you're most interested in is Onward? Or do you think just Onward has the most mass appeal? So... So let's start with Onward since it's going to come out yeah, first. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, true. We watched the trailers for both of these movies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, the reason that I say Onward will do the best is because it has pr- seemingly bigger names. Mm-hmm, cool. Onward has Chris Pratt, has Tom Holland, it has uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus. Mm-hmm. It seems like it's. The style of the animation almost looks Frozen-esque. Yeah. It has fantasy elements. It, honestly, it kind of reminds me a little bit of Illumination-y or even a little bit DreamWorks-y. Ooh, like, it yeah. seems like a different animation direction for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a little more of that like kind of rounded animation that we were talking yeah. about earlier, a little more bubbly. And um, Which is a little off-putting and worrying for me. <laughs> I just think... I just think uh, when we're looking at the two, Onward seems like their mass appeal yes, pick. Yes, definitely. And Soul, which I'll get to in a second, seems like their Oscar pick. Yes, so, 100% agree. So uh, let's start with our thoughts on the Onward trailer. So, again, 
a run of Dungeons and Dragons podcast, and this movie takes place in a fantasy world with wizards and elves and shit like that. Mm-hmm. So, da doy, I'm interested. <laughs> you've, you've got me hooked in the world at the very least, mm-hmm. um, and you've given us a good like like your the main selling point you're kind of hitting us with in the trailer is the world. Like yeah. a lot of what they show is like this is the world that you're going to be getting into when you watch this film, and uh, so I'm good there. And the the main storyline premise, I'm intrigued by a lot. Uh, yeah. I like it because it seems like it could go to a deep place, a deep, complex place. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love. That's when I love my Pixar the most, <laughs> when it goes to a, a, a fun, adventurous, and yet also deeply complex place. Yeah. So I think it's got good potential to go there. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks like it's going to be very funny at the very least. Yeah. Um, I'm just worried that it maybe is going to be a little too surfacy and not dive deep enough. Mm. That's my main concern. Yeah. If you guys haven't seen these trailers, you should look them up. They're super easy to find on YouTube if you haven't already seen them. Mm-hmm. Essentially, it is, yeah, it's a mashup of modern and fantasy. It's mm-hmm. like basically what if these fantastic wizards and elves and all of those characters were living kind of in the modern era. That's yeah. what I got from it. If you it. saw that Netflix movie Bright that came out. Oh, I have not. Ah, um... It was kind of like There's a lot of controversy about that movie specifically, and there's a mm-hmm. lot of opinions on that movie uh, that run the gamut. Mm-hmm. So it's you, you might want to check it out. Yeah, mm-hmm. it would be an interesting one to check out just to see how you feel about it, one of those yeah. ones. Uh, but um, it that is kind essentially kind of the same premise for the world. Bright fantasy, you know, fantasy world, wizards, elves, all that stuff, but in the modern day. Yeah. And then they've taken that and, and kidized it. Yeah. Essentially, it's these two brothers... Uh, whose father it is implied that he like passed away when the youngest one turns 16 his mom gives them like a wizard staff that mm-hmm. their father had saved for them for like when they became men um and they're supposed to use this staff to basically bring back their father for 24 hours um but they can't do the magic well and then they only bring back his legs which is a very goofy setup for a premise (laughs) and then it kind of turns into a road trip comedy seems like it um where they're basically in a race against time to figure out a way to bring the rest of him back before his legs disappear in 24 hours yes um i like based on the poster i like to refer to this movie as two and a half men (laughs) because it's literally two people and then a set of legs you're totally right (laughs) Um, or is it just two men because he's 16 years old so he's not really a man but, <laughs> um, the movie is about them becoming men you're right it's two and a half men never mind um, he's not young enough and the way that they are marketing this movie is that it's brought to you by the creators of Toy Story and The Incredibles and you can always tell what they're kind of trying to appeal to based off of which movies they handpick to that's a good point feature in their trailers that's true because it's brought to you by Pixar. You can mention any fucking Pixar yeah, film you want. Like, but they specifically say The Incredibles and Toy Story. Yeah, that's so that's the vibe they're dishing out. Mm-hmm. Which means that I'm presuming a larger ensemble. It, there was there's a I'm lot. Hoping. Yeah, there's a lot of characters in the trailer. Mm-hmm. You do see a lot of characters in the trailer, but a lot of them seem like auxiliary characters mm-hmm. that uh, maybe I don't know. It's hard to tell whether they play a, a, uh, an actual role or if they're just True. like. They're just uh, part of the world fluff that you get, yeah. that gives you a sense of the world, and then you never see them again. Based off of this, I sh- I, I hope so. I really do. I'll throw in the clue. I've heard that I've heard that this movie has a very touching 
like surprising ending. Good, cool. Um, from what I've heard, there's like a big twist at the end or Fuck something yeah. very emotional. Cool. Um, so knowing this, what is your prediction for this movie? What Ooh. would you say the plot of this movie is? Or at Ooh. least the twist at the end. Okay, all right. So I think the twist has got to be... I mean, it's definitely uh, centered around the dad. Mm-hmm. It, uh, I, I don't think... So so the son, one of the... Or the little brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things I mentioned in the trailer is that the little brother has never met their father. So I'm thinking they could go in a number of directions. Direction one, mm-hmm. they bring the dad back. Son realizes, dad, not all he's cracked up to be. He's kind of idolized his father. Maybe the dad comes back. Maybe he's not great. Maybe he's a bad guy. Who knows? Yeah. Pixar would love to do something like that. <laughs> two, uh, they don't manage to bring the dad back. Mm-hmm. Pixar, ooh, Pixar twist. Like, you know, they, they, they don't end up doing what they meant to do or they don't do it in the way that they expected it, it to work. Mm-hmm. And then they have to deal with loss. And maybe it's another thing that has kind of revolve around death. And maybe, but, but the twist, the big twist would be like, the dad never meant for it to work. The dad like knew, like, like it's not possible to bring somebody back. And mm-hmm. the dad knew that, but he knew that doing this would like bring the two of them together. Or something like that. That's another option that I believe. Like, Shady devil. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like it's a weird like thing to do. Yeah. Um, option three, it's neither of those. It's something completely unexpected and out of left field that comes out uh, along the way. Like yeah. it, it's something to do with, uh, it, it would be something very specific that would have to do with something that happened in the relationship of the father with the older brother or the family dynamic, you know, there's something there mm-hmm. that we haven't seen in the trailer yet. Mm-hmm. Those are my three, like, possible ending outcome predictions. But if it's a big twist, you know, it's going to be something... Yeah. It, yeah, it's hard. It's going to be hard <laughs> to call no matter what, yeah. I think... What about you? So I think they're going to go on this road trip. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of it is going to be based around the fact... Because we see twice in this trailer the younger son trying to perform the magic and not being able to do so. That's true. So I There's think, a lot of coming-of-age sentiments in there. I think there'll be a bit of an identity crisis when it mm-hmm. comes to that. Yeah. Um, I, I think, um, on a funny note, it'd be really hilarious if they brought the dad back, but then he doesn't look anything like them. So then they go on the Maury show, and then they, <laughs> <laughs> they have to do a fraternity <laughs> test. The ghost, fraternity the test. ghost father, he is not the father. So now they have to go find their actual oh my God. And that, But all, that moment happens, the Maury moment happens like 30 minutes in. And then the rest of the movie, they just really want to fuck with you and make you be like, no, you're not going to know what this movie's it about. It wasn't their actual dad staff. She's like, I got that at a garage sale. That would be fucking hilarious. God, please. What's the fantasy equivalent of Maury? It would be like, uh, it would be uh, dwarfy. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Stuck the landing. Um, that would be awesome. I would love that. But also that coming of age stuff and that like identity crisis stuff also kind of lends me to believe that it's going to have to do with their father's identity. Like they, like that first prediction that I had where they're going to bring their dad back and he's not going to kind of be the guy they expect yeah. him to be. That's kind of lends me, it kind of pushes me in that direction maybe a little. I'm pushed to the direction that they are not able to bring him back. I would love that. Or at least you know me. at least not in the way that they're supposed to. Yeah. And then the youngest son 
realizes that his father has been inside of himself all along. They've got to fucking make it complex because that's he, a well-worn he did fucking meet message. His father because he met himself. His legs. His oh, legs. Himself. <laughs> his legs. <laughs> what if they? What if they end like, the movie? <laughs> They're like, you know what? I, we weren't able to bring back dad's top half, but it's like we can still play like hacky sack with dad. He can still communicate very well in braille by like tapping his foot and like getting a lot of yeses and nos like that way, and we can still bond with him. Or maybe, yeah. or maybe the youngest brother uh, sees his oldest brother as a father figure yeah, by the end. That's ooh, honestly, that's a very strong direction. The older brother, so it, they're pushing a lot of like identity for younger brother. But maybe the older brother has an identity thing where he realizes who he, the man he needs to be. Yeah, and then becomes a father figure to the younger brother and like passes that on. And the older brother's like, ah, he's the man I want to be. <laughs> so it's like a almost a trickle down man I want to be economics <laughs> kind of system. This is gonna be so funny to listen back to on March seventh after sure, I've gone to see Onward yep. um, because you know I'll be there opening day. I guess so. <laughs> I strongly believe that this movie is gonna do very well. Yeah, it, uh, it looks like it's gonna commercially do at least very well. It's gonna do incredibly well um so that's my prediction for this one yeah i think you're right unless it so i think very well meaning like smash Box success as well unless it, i think it will do that the odds are very good unless people go and see it and it turns out it's just a fluffy road trip that tries to be something mm. but it sounds like you've heard some clues that kind of lead to believe it's more than it leads on so soul that's coming out in june yeah. um and they market it as from the creators of Inside Out and Coco. Yeah. So that tells you you everything you need right there. Um, This is for sure their Oscar movie. That's why it's coming out later because they want to like get the money from Onward, but they want to keep soul in people's minds and not have it like completely forgotten. It's also at the beginning of the summer Mm -hmm. and summer, a historically uh, great time to release movies. Mm Uh, so they are releasing it then in the summer with the hopes that you know people are going out to see movies so that's got the best chance of people really like boom hitting this emotionally complex piece and um this this trailer opens with a man playing like kind of a jazzy tune on the piano Mm -hmm. and it opens uh with the line what would you want to be known for on earth which i believe is essentially the thesis statement of this film yes it would seem mm-hmm. um he's a jazz pianist he we're getting kind of like a like a more urban vibe from this i Definitely. believe it, it's like set in new york or a city adjacent to that yeah possibly detroit chicago one of mm-hmm. those um it seems like he's like a new musician orleans. well maybe not new orleans but i don't think it's new orleans. no i'm not getting new orleans but um he's like got a big gig and then He's like talking about how great his life is essentially. Things are picking up for him. And then he falls down a manhole and becomes like this blue, oddly shaped soul guy. I will say, I hope they draw some attention to how inane and banal and like, like, like his death is because, because <laughs> it's almost like it is very cartoonish to have somebody fall down a yeah. manhole and die. Like it's literally a Looney Tunes fucking trope. Yeah. Uh, so I hope that that plays into like, the ridiculousness of death. Like, they kind yeah. of explore the, like, absurdity of it in that way. Um, I also want to point out that this is the first... I believe that this is the main protagonist of the film, and I believe he's the first uh, 
African-American, like, actual protagonist in a Pixar movie. I think you're right. We do have, I mean, Frozone is in The Incredibles, but he's not the main protagonist. No, he's not. He's and just a side character. This is main character mm-hmm. deal we're talking. He's, yeah. he's the main man. Yeah. Um, the animation on this looks beautiful. It does. The, the cityscapes. This the, is the kind of animation just... I want in Onward. They, they famously say, kind of, in Hollywood, it's like, one for the one for them, one for you. One for them, one for you. Yeah. I feel like the Onward is like the one for them, where it's like, oh, yeah, it's the commercial <laughs> one. And then the one for you is like, no, but mm-hmm. we're doing our Pixar thing. Like, this is our emotional one, you know? Well, it's funny you say that about the animation, because I, I actually found the character design for Soul mm-hmm. to leave more like leave me wanting more the little blue guy yeah i agree because that's that's more of the like little rounded inside out-esque style Mm -hmm. um even when he's a human i don't think he's that detailed i might need to i need to watch again perhaps but i felt like uh he was a little more i don't know i i feel like they gave him a little more of that like bubbly rounded character design but the animation around him mm-hmm. looks beautiful so yeah and definitely not as much bubbly character design as onward yeah onward is true. very bubbles so we'll ha- we'll have to hold our character design judgments i suppose for the rest of the movie because we yeah. haven't seen that many other characters it, this, this one's trailer. a real tease yeah it's a real tease it's so. literally just like dun 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 what do you want to be known for on earth boom Dead. fall into the manhole oh, i'm, I'm a little soul. soul guy soul End Pixar. of trailer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like a minute long. Yeah. Uh, Onward was like a two and a half minute long trailer. Yeah. Um, so we'll have to wait and see what the full theatrical trailer is for Soul, I suppose. But we're getting Coco vibes. We're getting yeah. strong Coco vibes. What do you think? Um, we might not have enough to go off of, of plot. But yeah. what do you think the main idea is? We can, we can make guesses is? like the predictions we did earlier. Yeah. Kind of. Um, so that thesis statement, the what do you want to be known for most on earth? Um, kind of leads me to believe that although he is a soul, uh, so either it's an exploration of his life, um, like kind of a looking back, uh, this is your life, kind of Christmas, maybe like even Christmas Carol-esque look back. uh, And he thinks that he died too soon. Like things were just starting to get good. And now he's like, oh God, I had so much potential. Like why now? And then there are people in the afterlife, possibly, uh, you know, characters he meets along the way or you know, one character or something that are, is kind of like, no, 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 look how much you had and like how much, how great it was. And like, like yeah. it's about appreciating what he had kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the whole, his whole arc will be understanding that like, oh, I didn't kind of, like I did have, and in the end, I did lead a life that was beautiful and fulfilling kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, either that, <laughs> <laughs> or uh, it's going to be a little bit about like, um, like he maybe a little more Christmas Carol esque. Uh, he sees like he gets to peek in on the world from his like little floaty glows glowing soul, <laughs> and he gets to like maybe like affect some things, and mm-hmm. then maybe he gets a chance at redemption and like going back, something like that. Maybe, mm-hmm. um, yeah. That's the only other way I could see that yeah. going. I feel like with the first one, you kind of hit the nail on the head of what I think it might be. Yeah, but. Because I'm thinking Pixar loves to do twists. Yeah. There could be... What if kind of going off the second thing you were talking about, mm-hmm. of like where he can kind of choose to go back maybe, what if he sees like... Because uh, he believes that his life is just getting started and he's he just got the big gig and whatever. Yeah. What if he sees like... What if they show him like, okay, they're in, they set up some kind of soul world. We're getting that. Yeah. The, the, 
I'm sure they're going to set that up very detailed in a way they haven't showed in the trailer. Um, I'm curious if they're willing to do that after Coco, though, too. Oh, true. They'd have to make it very different. They but, would. I mean, they they are very creative. That's I, the thing. I don't think there's a lack of creativity, like for sure. I feel like they could. They definitely could. Um. So, I think, what if they're showing him, like, what his life will be like if he goes back oh. and he actually is not going to get the life that Ooh, he wants interesting and it's and like it's like chooses not to go back yeah brilliantly. it's like That's is it twist. is Ooh. it better to uh end things now where you could be thought of as having such potential that you didn't reach or go back and maybe not have the life that you thought you were going to have and find happiness in it that way and it's kind of like the choice of is it better, like, because it's how do you want to be known, or what do you want to be known for on Earth? Mm. Is it better for you to leave things where they are with people saying, oh, he could have done so much more? Yeah. Or leave things leave in the future more. of, they, oh, he didn't get what he was supposed to, or I thought he would have done better. But you know that, like, you're okay, like, in your own soul with who you are. Interesting. Despite what other people are saying. Ooh, I really like that. Mm-hmm. I really hope that's what it is, <laughs> honestly. And uh, that's... That, that like checks a lot of boxes for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I feel like that could be interesting because in Definitely. S- there's so many movies where it's like the whole point, like the character is now happy because they got exactly what they wanted to. Right. Um, but I think in real life, a lot of people don't get exactly what they thought they were going to get or they don't have the job that they thought they were going to get. Yeah. Um, Pixar got into easy happy endings. Yeah. If you're going to get a happy ending, you fucking work for it. Yeah. Or, if, or you're going to get a mixed bag ending. Yeah. Basically. And I think there's something yeah. to be said for people who don't get what they want in life. Mm-hmm. They're not uh, the big successes that they thought they would be, or they're just not in the field that they want to be in. And they still find satisfaction in what they do because they know who they are. Yeah. And I think that would be interesting. I agree 100%. That's a really cool idea. There's a lot of like Buddhist uh, like questions <laughs> raised in that. Like, mm-hmm. like you know, what what do you do in life and how do you achieve satisfaction and or happiness? And like, you know, like how do you rate that? And, and put where what scale do you put that in? And yeah. That would be very cool to explore that. Yeah, yeah. I'm into that. <laughs> so that's my prediction for Soul. I think... I think it has the potential to possibly be an underrated movie, but it, it'll definitely be their Oscar bait. Yeah, definitely. It's 100%. Like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so those are the two new films that are coming out. Um, before we wrap things, I kind of wanted to talk about the Pixar relationship with Disney, if you, if yeah. you have the time. Oh, I would love to. So there's some very strange things that uh, Disney and Pixar have had going on behind the scenes. Ooh, goody. Um, so I think, I mean, most people think of Disney and Pixar hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Um, when Pixar started, they needed distribution, and that's how Disney became involved. They signed um, a three-film contract with Disney. And already in the second film, Disney started interfering. Um, really? Yeah. Which one this was that? Is, uh, Toy Story 2. Oh. So I'm just going to throw some crazy facts of the shit that Disney has done to oh, Pixar yeah. over the years. I'm ready for this. So uh, Disney and Pixar had signed a three-picture deal. Mm-hmm. Pixar was creating Toy Story 2, mm-hmm. and they wanted it to be a straight-to-DVD release, which seems crazy. <sighs> Disney. No, no. Pixar wanted oh, it Oh, Pixar to be, did. Pixar wanted oh. it to be a straight-to-DVD release, oh, which sounds twist. crazy, right? Yes. Well, they probably just didn't have the confidence in themselves. Yeah. <laughs> like, wow. Which I'm glad that Disney uh, d- said no. Yeah. But here's the thing. 
the reason that they wanted it to be a straight to DVD release. Okay, the, well, the reason that Disney wanted it to be released in theaters uh-huh. was because they get a huge portion of ticket sales, right? Yeah, right. So Disney said, no, you have to release it in theaters. And then Pixar said, fine, this is the second film in our three movie contract. And Disney said, nope. Wow. This one doesn't count. What the fuck? Yeah. Why? I don't know. What the fuck? So <laughs> Disney was like... It totally counts. Disney was like, no, you have to release it in theaters. Pixar was like, no. Disney made them. And then they were like, by the way, this don't count. <laughs> so, they were negged on their deal? Oh my God. Yeah. So uh, they didn't wow. count Toy Story 2. So they were like, fine, this will be our last film. Because before that, they had Toy Story, Bugs Life. Toy Story 2 was their third movie. Mm-hmm. Should have released them from Disney's clutches. Wow. Disney wanted them in for more. Yep. So they kept them around. Uh-huh. So this kick starts off a huge, like, like a negative relationship between Pixar and Disney. Specifically between uh, Steve Jobs, who had a heavy stake in Pixar. and oh, I didn't um, know that. Yeah. Wow. He was one of their biggest investors when oh, it started. Wow. Um, and I think I he realize. was like, for a long time, I think he was like the majority shareholder of Shit. Pixar too. Wow. Um, so there was a terrible relationship between Steve Jobs and Michael Eisner, mm-hmm. who was running Disney at the time. They like hated each other. Um, and so they had a very negative relationship. The problem with their deal, so they were like, so they were constantly after Monsters, Inc., after their like three-year picture, which was actually four pictures or whatever. Yeah. After that was up, they were constantly like in negotiations. Disney kept trying to buy Pixar essentially and like take over. Yeah. And Pixar was very concerned. Like their whole, their worry was that Disney actually owns all story, character, and sequel rights to Pixar's films. That was their worry or? That that is, that's still happening. That is the case. So that is their constant worry. Man. So... That's why there was such contention mm. because they were always afraid that Disney was going to take over and Pixar story is king. Yeah. Very much cared about like I can't believe they gave them story. I can't believe they did this. They this they were All, fledgling. They, they I mean like had Toy Story which like blew up. But they I think why they they, they had this agreement I think before Toy Story came out. I don't think they expected I it to do Toy as Story well. I thought Toy Story was just Pixar. Like no. before they got bought by Disney. Well, I mean, they weren't bought by Disney or, yet. I mean, but Disney, like, they had signed Disney on as their distributor, bef- obviously to distribute Toy Story. Ah, and they I had see. no, and this was before it came out, so they had no idea that it was going to be as popular as it was. And then once, uh, once, the yeah, fucking, once Toy and Story was, blew up, Disney was like, "Oh, okay, okay, mm-hmm. you're gonna do well. All right, we've got some stipulations yeah. to lay down." So wow. for years and years, they're kind of like in this fight over like what kind of contracts they want and stuff like that Mm -hmm. um and disney had the basically had um i think like i think disney had control over like sequels so they had the right to say like no or yes to a sequel stuff like that Mm -hmm. um and this contention hit a point so much so that uh, Pixar was like, no, get the fuck out of, like, get out of our hair. Like, we don't want to deal with you. But since Disney owns the character story and sequel rights to their pre-existing films, which at the time, I believe, went all the way until Cars at this point, Mm -hmm. uh, Michael Eisner created an animation group within Disney called Circle 7 
that was dedicated to creating sequels to the Pixar films oh without Pixar involvement. Oh my God. So Pixar was oh. saying, yeah, this is crazy shit. Yeah. So Pixar was saying, get out of our hair. We don't want you around anymore. And Michael Eisner comes strolling in with some shitty like storyboards that were created at Circle 7 and basically saying like, fine, cut us out of our deal, but we have all, we have Finding Nemo, we have all your Toy Story movies, we have Bugs Life, Cars, and we can do whatever they, we want with them. Yeah. And we're basically, basically Pixar was like, okay, do we sever ties with those films and characters and move on to our own stuff? And let Disney do what they want with them and create our own separate thing. Damn. And this, like, Steve Jobs was, like, looking for other forms of distribution. Like, he was dead serious about this, and right? And I would be amazed if he didn't find any. Yeah. Like, Pixar was was huge at that mm-hmm. point. So I'd be amazed if there wasn't another studio that was like, yo, we'll give you money. Yeah. <laughs> Just keep doing what you do. But Pixar ultimately was like, well, we can't say goodbye and, like, allow them to take these films that made us who we are, that we worked so hard for, which are arguably their best films, like some of their best films, how we can't just like leave and let them make like Toy Story 7 Summer Vacation, like shit like that. Yeah. So they kind of Uh, had them backed into a corner. I do want to see Toy Story 7 Summer Vacation. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair. So they kind of had them backed up against a wall and they had to say yes. So they... That is when um, that's when Disney acquired Pixar in 2006. Damn. They backed him against the wall, and they do have stipulations that ensure, like, basically they they were like, okay, you own us, but we're separate. Like, if you're having a problem at Disney Animation, you cannot borrow our Pixar staff. Mm. We're not intermingling people here. Cool. So. For example, I think they... I'm sure that doesn't stop them, but... <laughs> like, they were like, okay, like, you can have your animation, we'll have our animation. If you're having a story issue, we're not helping you. Like, if our... If we have employees who want to go over and work for you, they're no longer, like, working for us. Like, right. they're not they're not working in both places. There's a clear, like, line drawn in the sand yeah. between Pixar and Disney. Yeah. Um, interesting. And... Yeah, essentially, um, the way that they were able to get there, because the Circle 7 shit, that, that's crazy, and that's borderline blackmail. Yeah, that's real fucked. Um, <laughs> Not a surprise at all. The reason, <laughs> the reason that they were able to now get to a better place in their relationship is, I believe, 2005 is when Michael Eisner parted with Disney and mm-hmm. Bob Iger took over. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's this, this classic story of Bob Iger going to one of the Disney parks watching the parade and realizing that all of the characters in the parade were Pixar characters and being like, we got to make amends. Like we got to figure out how to fix this. And so once Bob Iger came in, that's when they were able in 2006 to like actually kind of make that. They're very clear that like, it's not a merger. It's a purchase Hmm. because they didn't intermingle their people. Okay. But not necessarily a merger, but Disney was able to buy Pixar team up with them like be their sole distribution and kind of make amends in a way. Yeah. Um, but that's why I attribute that to why there's been so many sequels, mm. so much of a push on movies that do amazing merchandising, like the Cars yeah. movies and stuff like that. Do you think Disney is like the producer 
of a TV show. Like if, if Pixar is like the writers of a TV show who are writing and putting out this story-based, you know, creative character mm-hmm. material. Um, and then Disney is like the producer who comes back with notes that are like, uh, you need a fluffy, cuddly animal that we can merchandise. <laughs> like, do you think that they have that level of influence over what Pixar does these days? Um, I would say that Pixar also probably wants something like that as well. Yeah. Because uh, to some extent. At the end of the day. I believe the Pixar's line for how far they're willing to go is a little more lax than Disney's. They probably, Disney has a little bit of a poke behind them, pushing them a little bit further probably than they, I think, would do. I think, I think Pixar I like to think anyway. I don't know. I I picture Pixar as this, this like, sanctified company that can just, just, oh, we just want to put out good stories, but they're probably into it for the merchandising as well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure, like, at the end of the day, they want to make money. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I do believe that they care more about their characters and stories than Disney does, 100%. Yeah. Um, but I also think it's worth noting that recently, like very recently in the past two years or so, mm-hmm. a lot of the original people who worked on Pixar films have now left the company. Interesting. Uh, I, I don't know if you heard about the whole big falling out that John Lasseter had with Pixar. Oh, I remember reading something vaguely about it, but what is it? Uh, an article came out about him, uh, I believe last year, yeah. talking about how he's just like a monster to work with and how he's Whoa. specifically incredibly like sexist and doesn't treat female employees. For, for years, there's been a lot. I know, Jesus. I'm sorry, I'm shattering your no, world. No, it's okay. I, I honestly didn't have many opinions of John Lasseter, <laughs> positive or negative. I just, I didn't know that that was that. I mean, the, uh, granted, this is an article and I obviously was not there firsthand, but right. this is what right. the rumor mill has. Was it, do you remember the of? source? Like, um, I think like, this was published in. It was like, a, a, it was like an actual newspaper. Or yes, something. this just was like, like a, a reputable a BuzzFeed article or something. <laughs> I, <laughs> John I should Lasseter, trust you. I... Top ten times John Lasseter was a dick. <laughs> yeah, but just by written by some uh, embittered person well, who applied to work for at Pixar years. Never there's got it. been rumors about how women have been treated at um, yeah. Pixar as I mean, even like as brave, far we were as talking about yeah, and even as far as. Um, Rashida Jones was a writer for Pixar for uh, Toy Story 4, and yes, she left the project oh, what? because she was like, I can't work for a company that treats women that way. Ooh. And no one has ever gotten into many specifics mm. um, outside of this article where I w- just read that like uh, a lot of times like women are not invited to the meetings um, Ugh, or they're, not, they're just not given like a lot of leadership, stuff like that. This was... I honestly set more uh, by Rashida Jones leaving that project than in this article because <laughs> because she's a, like she has no stake in the company. She doesn't have like personal right. relationships with these people. Like she's an outside person looking she in. Would, she would have witnessed it. Yeah, firsthand. and yeah. being like, "Oh shit, I didn't know this was going down." Damn, so, that's a bummer to hear. Yeah. So Oof. and so with that, like I think Pete Doctor kind of took over John Lasseter's place. Um, and I, I just know, like, the person who did, I think his name is Lee Unrich, mm-hmm. the guy who did Coco. Okay. I know he's leaving the company. Not, not getting pushed out like John Laster was. Oh, okay. But, just um, he happens to be leaving. Yeah, I know he's leaving. I think mm-hmm. Andrew Stanton was leading. Yeah. Was leaving. Uh, a lot of the original Ooh. people are leaving. Man. So I think we're seeing, we're going to see even new, we're more. We're going into new Pixar territory. Yeah, we're going even to more of, a, mm. of an untold area for Pixar. Interesting. That's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh that yeah, I um, that's also very baffling to me to hear that that women aren't treated well and and uh, 
have kind of been that way since, you know, uh, uh, Pixar, it sounds like. <laughs> but uh, that's also very baffling to me because they do such a good job at emotional complexity. And I know that this is generalizing a little bit about men, my own yeah. gender, but like <laughs> men aren't great with emotions a lot of time. Uh, and so I'm just amazed that uh, there haven't been some ladies behind the wheel and writing in the writer's room and crushing it there. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure how many female employees they have who are actually writing. I know there's no female director who's had their own project. I know Brenda Chapman has been the only one, and she was even a co-director. She wasn't full director Man, of her film. That's so wild to me. It is very wild. Um, and so I don't know really what the future of Pixar holds. Do you know who's doing Onward and Soul? Oh, are you looking up the I Yeah, the I actually have it up right now. Um, uh, so Onward is being done by Dan Scanlon. Do you recognize that name? Because I don't. But... Uh, I do but oh I he did monsters university okay okay and uh that's it <laughs> well he's done other he's probably done other things yeah but in the pixar world uh he did monsters university which is like okay you know like we said <laughs> fun but not the most in-depth movie but this movie also looks like it could be pretty fun and funny so that's true absolutely i could, I could see you know maybe maybe this is like where he really kicks things into high gear at the end of the day he's dealing with original characters not Monsters Inc. Characters. That's a very good point. Uh, some people just need to create their own thing. That's a mm-hmm. very good point. Um, I, sh- I will say if Onward just turns out to be a fun movie that's just a fun ride <laughs> I don't think I'll you know I won't be disappointed. I, I Also of course it's Pixar's I'm hoping for like great uh, depth and complexity yeah. but if it's just a fun film I'm cool with that too you know that's, <laughs> that, that's nothing wrong with that. Um, Soul is Pete Docter. Oh, okay. That makes sense because Pete Doctor did Inside Out. Yes, he did. Um, he, he did. did he, did he do Monsters Inc. as he well? He did Monsters Inc. as well. Mm-hmm. So he's got a very good track record. I love Pete Doctor. He it, seems. Yeah. I seem to identify most with the films that he is at the helm of. I think Soul might be really good. I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to like overhype it oh. for myself and get my anticipation up, but. I just, I mean, reading that list of movies that Pete yeah. Doctor, I mean, that's pretty good. I'm, I have to say, looking, good track looking at the two, I'm, I think I'm most excited about Soul just because I don't know as much about it, mm. and that leads to just so much more potential for me. I feel like I yeah. have a grasp of the tone of Onward already, and they're great at these high premise things, and Soul is very high premise. Yeah. So yeah. we'll see. We shall see. Um, we shall see. Closing thoughts. What do you think uh, the future of, of Pixar as we're going into this new generation of filmmakers that they have as some of their original content creators are leaving? It's um, a really great question. I, I'll tell you what I hope. Mm-hmm. I hope that this will, um, this kind of, uh, these leaving of all these men in Pixar who might have been great and integral parts of early Pixar. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I think that with the leaving of them, my hope is that they bring on some very talented women creators and they, I hope that they take it in a really strong direction. Some, some mm-hmm. people who are fans of Pixar already who yeah. are really strong creatives, I hope they bring them onto the team and I hope they... Uh, keep doing what uh, you know they take Pixar in a non sequely direction where they continue to make complex and interesting films mm-hmm. uh, that's the best timeline I see <laughs> the darkest timeline mm-hmm. I see is that uh, more men get pushed to the top and they are not 
uh, men from original Pixar or men who frankly even care about original Pixar. <laughs> they have their own ideas and creative you know, visions and stuff like that. And uh, they start focusing on more broad appeal movies. Mm. Uh, they try they try and get that like Pixar vibe in there because they know people want the Pixar vibe. Yeah. But in the end, what they really want to do is is market and and stuff like that. And I hope like I like I could see Disney like infiltrating Pixar with like sending yeah. some of their people over. And maybe the people that are left at Pixar want, after this big purging uh, <laughs> don't really mind. And they're like, you know what? Why haven't we intermingled earlier? You're right. <laughs> and it becomes more commercial and, in my opinion, bullshit Disney. Yeah. Um, where it's like. Yeah, no, the most important thing is just, like, characters we can market and hooking generations on things that we know works and essentially playing it safe. Yeah. I I really hope that they don't go in that direction. I hope they continue to take risks creatively with um, diverse uh, voices. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I am just hoping... I'm just hoping that Soul and Onward both do well. Mm Mm-hmm. And usher in perhaps another golden age of Pixar. That would be great. Because there was a... Like, we started at a golden age. I mean, Coco still then, feels pretty recent. Well, yeah. I feel like I feel like we started at a, at a golden age. And then we got to a point where it's like, there's some good ones. And then there's some not so good ones. And then there's some amazing ones. Yeah, they that peak in Valley Hard. Out. Yeah. So I'm hoping that we can get back to... That standard of Pixar just knocking it out of the park every single time. Because um, Coco was great. Yeah. Um, and if Soul and Onward both do well and are very original mm-hmm. and do well, mm-hmm. I'm hoping that encourages the idea that like we shouldn't change the yeah. f- like this formula, this way that they've been creating Keep things. originality at the forefront. Keep taking risks yeah. at the front, forefront. Yeah. Who knows? We'll have to see where this takes us but yeah i'm curious to see i for one am glad that i had someone else who's also a huge pixar fan able to come on we have so much to cut out of this but i know i'm sorry i I meant to warn you at the top uh that i was a talker and that this could go on forever but you probably knew that um but thank you so much for being here jamie yeah thank you for having Um, me once again you guys uh check out magic quest boys right after this turn this podcast off Right and now. then go look them up. Yeah, do it, guys. Yeah, It'll be fun. You'll love gonna it. You're going to love it. I would just like to give you the chance. Let everyone know how they can uh, find you and all your social media. Absolutely. So you can find me at Jamie Bingbong on Instagram and Twitter. And you can find the Magic Quest Boys at Magic Quest Boys also on Instagram and Twitter. Wow. Yeah. And you guys are on um, Apple and Spotify and a yeah, bunch of others? everything. Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, the premium. There's <laughs> ear, ear pod listens. Uh, there's so many things out there. And I'm pretty sure we're on like 99% of them. So awesome. if you got a podcast thing, you can find it. Thank you so much for ringing in the new year with me, Jamie. Of course, this yeah. This was awesome. Yeah. And I wish you the best in uh, 2020. Oh, thank you. I wish you the best too, Chloe. Oh, this is going to be our year. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's going to be our year. It's going to be Pixar's year. Woo! It's going to be us. It's just a year for goodness. Thank oh. you so much for listening to Unwatchable, you guys. Happy New Year. I will see you next time. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.
Hey, this is Noah from the Magic Quest Boys of Dragontown. We're a new improvisational, epic, fantasy, comedy, storytelling podcast. We're playing D&D. Okay, look, we're doing Dungeons & Dragons, and it's awesome. Our Dungeon Master is incredible, and he wrote the whole campaign. Don't worry if you haven't played Dungeons & Dragons before. You're going to love it. Everybody loves it. It's the best. Uh, so come check us out. We're everywhere you can find podcasts. That's where we are, and also on social media at Magic Quest Boys. Of Dragon Town.